This episode is full of spoilers and contains some not-so-super language. Citizens, welcome to the Forks of Potitude. I'm Dave Michaels. I'm Brian Betts. And we are the Cape Podcasters. And this is the show that's on your left. Oh, what's that there on my left? It's on your left. It's just your Cape Podcasters friends on your left. Hanging out on your left. I love how you could turn like this big emotional moment (laughs) into like such a creepy thing. Just put a little southern accent on a little ginger. It's not sparkle. You. It's not a zhuzhin sparkle. It's just on your left. I'm on your left. I would really like it if while you're while you're doing your thing on this episode, if you could just turn the whole mix over to the left <laughs> ear for that that one part. That would be fantastic. That would be terrific. Uh, and the reason why that's important is because we've arrived. We have. We we're here. It's the big boy of all the big boys. Really, if they're like. If Bob's big boy had a big boy, this would be the big boy. The biggest boy. Just inheriting all of that big and boy. That's right. <laughs> that's exactly what you inherit. I'm pretty Generations, sure. Generations. That's just how big and boy works. passed down until we get <laughs> to this, the biggest boy. My father was a big boy. And my grandfather was a slightly His smaller boy. Him they, they kept having was... bigger boys as it kept going on. <laughs> My great grandfather, he was a big boy for his time, but it turned out he was a smaller <laughs> boy. Going all the way back to, to great, 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 great grandpappy, whose nickname was Tiny. Like, well, we got to breathe that out quick. <laughs> and they did. And they did it by making a film that they called Avengers Endgame from 2019, directed by Anthony Russo and Joe Russo. Brian, have you seen this thing? Of course you have. Dave, have you seen this thing? <laughs> of course you have. Hey, the entire world, did you see this thing? Of, of course, course you, have. you had, because this movie estimated budget was $356 million. And it made that back in opening weekend. <laughs> yeah, it did, because the worldwide gross uh it double billied. Double bill, almost it got real close got to real get to that triple bill. Triple bill because it made two point seven billion dollars. I could probably could have rounded it up to two point eight. Did two point eight? I'd call it a two point eight. Two billion seven hundred ninety-seven. It's like I just pretty much said, "Nah, fuck that other ninety-seven million. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't count." Oh, give me your thoughts on this real quick before uh, we state more obvious things. It's a goddamn masterpiece. Yep, there it is. <laughs> Way to bury the lead. I'm not sugarcoating anything. Um, I love this movie. It's extremely good. I remember seeing it in theaters with you, and the entire time you had a pack of tissues on your I lap. I did. I did. I brought a little little thing oh, of tissues with me. Man. Didn't use them on the first viewing. No, the second you didn't. Viewing, you didn't. They did come in handy. But it was just funny watching you, because like, once the third act hit, you reached into your pocket, you pulled them out, and it was one of those like... This motherfucker knows something's coming. <laughs> There's been emotional arcs aplenty, and he's waiting for resolution. Some, something big has got to come because, you know, this is the big boy. It is the biggest boy. 
How about we get into it? It's long as hell. It's long. Yeah. Well, you know, the entire world's seen this movie, so, you know, if we, if we skip a few things, you, you know. Right. Let's, uh, well, let's do a real quick version of it. Um, there's space and loneliness, and then there's an Ant-Man, and then there's uh, a time machine. Yeah. And then there's time shenanigans. Right. And, and Thor gets uh, closure. Yep. Uh, that's something that I was going to say later. Yep. Uh, and Tony gets closure. Tony does get closure. That's and then, right. Um, then Steve gets closure. Steve gets Steve kind of gets closure. Steve gets close to closure. And well, we'll get there. We yeah. And then uh, uh, half of half the living things in the world get confused. Yeah. <laughs> so nailed it. Um, we did it. This is fun. All right, masterpiece. That was a good episode. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for thanks for coming along on the ride with us. And now it's time to make our special announcement. <laughs> no, no, no. You got to stick around a little bit longer for that. You thought you were going to get it in the first few minutes of the podcast? Come on now. You fools, have you learned nothing? <laughs> we should just rename the podcast. We'll get there. Oh, God. We never will, though. It, man, that's the joke. That's the in joke of it. <laughs> I mean, we do eventually sometimes get there. Maybe. Like Catwoman. We, uh, well. That was a joke gone wrong. That's totally different. <laughs> All right, fair. There seems to be a lot of this going on lately, but uh, we pick up right where we left everyone <laughs> off. The MCU, yes. Yeah. Uh, at the end of Infinity War, Ant-Man and the Wasp, and Captain Marvel, we pick up from the end of all three of those movies. Like, simultaneously, though. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, it's 2018, and we're getting a face full of Clint Barton, played by Jeremy fucking Renner, for the first time since Civil War. Right. He was the forgotten man in Infinity War, and then they went, Oh, shit, we forgot that guy. Let's make him a big part of the next one. Were we going to give him a movie in between? No? All right, well, I guess we'll just uh, start off with him, because everybody's got to be wondering, what's going on with Clint Barton? It's nice, though. They wrapped up that plot hole right away. Yeah, immediately. Uh, we all get we to enjoy the ride this. now. Not that's out of the way. Dude's just hanging out with his family, having a good time. He turns his back for one second, and the whole lot of them vanish into dust. Those 50% odds were not good to the family <laughs> Barton. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know opening credits no no jacchino just doing some sad mopey music right this is pretty much a sad hulk for a long time it is uh we we go to tony stark robert fucking downey fucking jr and nebula played by karen fucking gillen and they are adrift in space on the benatar their fuel and oxygen supplies dwindling and they're playing paper football they are but robert downey jr i think his form is terrible that's fair. I feel like he has other priorities. I think so, too, but he's also clearly purposely losing so that the robot lady doesn't kill him, right? That's. Uh, I think that's also okay. an astute observation. So that yeah. does make sense for the bad form. He's pretty much like the Ray Finkel of paper football. <laughs> Laces out. <laughs> yeah, Nebula does have a pretty short temper, so I understand throwing the game for the sake of morale. Which is strange, because robots shouldn't show emotions. But, but she's not a robot. She's not, but she might as well be a robot. She's mostly robot at this point. Tony records a message for Pepper Potts, Gwyneth Paltrow. We'll get there. Uh, in preparation for his demise. But luckily, Carol Danvers, played by Brie fucking Larson, pops up and carries the spaceship back to Earth. And I have so many questions about this. I also have questions. He keeps talking about how their oxygen only has like a day left and he's probably going to die. And then yep. he passes out and then Carol Danvers finds him and flies him back to Earth from the middle of nowhere. It's like, where'd you get that oxygen, bro? 
Yeah. How did you? Did she get you there in a day? Were you that close and giving up? <laughs> it's just like you just got to look out the rear view of your spaceship. You would have seen that big marble that we call Earth. Yeah. It's uh, you must be pretty close to get there in a day without any kind of warp drive, just being carried by a lady. That's right. <laughs> Uh, it seems like a good time to talk about our show briefly. Uh, we have a very specific <laughs> rule here of you have to celebrate the bad while tearing down the great and the good. Precisely. Even the best so, movies have silly things. Get ready for some teardowns. <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot a very of bad <laughs> to celebrate. Um, so we're going to have to shit on the greatness of this movie. We're going to have to a little bit. As best we can. Respectfully. Of course, of course. Respectfully. respectfully. We're going to treat it like you're... Like your Meemaw, who just kicked the bucket, and like you're like, oh, she had a great sense of humor. Everyone tell jokes at dead Meemaw's expense. Oh, Meemaw would love that. <laughs> she would. She loves that off-color humor, because she's from the South, from the 30s or whatever. Ooh. <laughs> she was saucy. <laughs> that Meemaw. And her only regret is that they did not rise again. I'm, I'm rooting less and less for Meemaw. <laughs> well, you don't have to root for her at all. She's cold and in a she's box. She's dead. Well, glad we established that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> The geography of Mima. <laughs> so Tony reunites with Pepper and Steve Rogers, played by Chris fucking Evans, and Natasha Romanoff, played by Scarlett fucking Johansson, and Bruce Banner, played by Mark fucking Ruffalo, and James Rhodes, played by Don fucking Cheadle. Take a breath. You, you good? <sighs> yeah. All right. Also, Rocket Raccoon, played by Bradley oh, fucking Cooper. He wasn't good. All right. Joins Nebula, and they mourn their fellow Guardians of the Galaxy together. But the band's all, you know... Together. A, a band, band is together. Well, a some, band. Yeah. People are there. Oh, yeah. And Thor's there, too. Chris fucking Hemsworth. And he's just, he's a sad man. He's a sad boy now. He's not doing great. He's just moping. He's just like, I'm going to sit in this isolated room and stare. You thought your dead racist Meemaw was bad. Wait cool. till you hear the shit I've been through. It's been three weeks since Thanos, Josh fucking Brolin, decimated half the universe's population with a snap of his fingers. But Tony's more concerned with Cap, and he accuses him of lying about keeping the group together, and, you know, his needs were in the past, so they trump Cap's needs now. I don't know. It's a whole thing. He yells at him a lot. They get yelly. They're bros. It happens. Exactly. Sometimes you have minor confrontations amongst friends after half the university gets decimated. <laughs> right. It's one of those things of, like, maybe look at the macro. Just briefly. <laughs> you said you would be there, Steve. Would it have mattered? I don't think so. Fair enough. <laughs> Especially when Tony knows that there's one. Right. There's only one way to get through this. And well, maybe there would have been like four if Steve and Tony were together. Maybe. I it wouldn't very weird if Doctor Strange in Infinity War didn't do the one for when he went back and looked at all the different ways that the whole situation could have shook out. And if he went like six and he's holding up two hands and it just looks goofy <laughs> as hell there's six different ways that we can win this but i can't <laughs> tell you any doesn't land <laughs> and then the rest of the next two movies is just him going oh now there's only five. Oh, now there's four right that's how they milk the franchise for all it's worth well i mean this easily could have been two movies but we'll, we'll probably get there yeah i think so carol is all gung-ho about going and killing thanos herself and they're like, hey, whoa. Actually, I really like Rhodey's line here. He's like, we're all about that superhero life. <laughs> what? <laughs> hey, lady, we're all about that superhero life. But this is this guy's pretty legit. This Thanos fella. This is a guy who just has a metal suit. Yeah. He's got a pair of magic legs, Lieutenant Dan style. <laughs> 
What's he doing talking about that superhero life? Lieutenant when he's Rose, talking to Captain Marvel. <laughs> she outranks him. I guess so. <laughs> I actually, I don't know what, what Rhodey's rank is in the military at this point. Doesn't matter. Carol it doesn't. is the greatest. She's like, I'm going to go kill Thanos myself. And they're like, we don't even know where he is. And that's when Nebula's like, well, actually, he always said that he was going to start a garden after he did his thing. And there was also this massive energy signature reading that Rocket came across two days before and he didn't tell anybody about. So the team all gets into a <laughs> spaceship and they go to the garden to take the Infinity Stones back and reverse the destruction. Quick, Rocket, set the jets for circumstantial. <laughs> Rocket was so concerned with finding whoever was alive from the Guardians that he's like, I'm not even going to mention this Thanos bullshit until <laughs> no, they're back. it wasn't important, I guess. I don't and know. And he's like, oh, actually, there was a huge energy signature from this one planet a couple days ago. It was probably from the Infinity Stones. I didn't even mention it. Yeah, it totally slipped my mind. Nobody's mad at Rocket, though, because he's a Build-A-Bear. That's right. He's a good rabbit. They get to the Garden. They discover Thanos alone and undefended. So they ambush him, and they find the gauntlet empty. Thanos reveals that he destroyed all of the stones using their own power, which nearly killed him. Rhodey's like, he's lying. Nebula's like, he's not a liar. So Thor, without hesitation, beheads the Mad Titan, and the team leaves defeated again. That is just so wild. I remember being in theaters watching that, and you're just like, uh, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> they already killed Thanos? We're not that far into the movie. What, what do they do now? What a moment, too. Yeah. Man, he went for the head, finally. He's not very happy with himself in that, that moment either, though. No, but his life's about to get a whole lot better and worse simultaneously. Simultaneously. <laughs> because we're going to cut to five years. Oh, God. Later. That pause, man. It takes that, so oh. long. Like, this is a 181 minute long movie. Yeah. And legitimately, half of it is that title card. 92 minutes. Cool 92 <laughs> if you get rid of that title card. <laughs> oh. The surviving population of Earth still have a very difficult time coping with the insanely traumatic event that happened five years prior. But thanks to a one in four and a half million chance, a rat activates the ant van, which releases Scott Lang, Paul fucking Rudd, from the quantum realm, to the surprise of a very confused Ken Jeong. Yeah, and... With a mustache. This really hit home this time, that the entire fate of half the living things... In the universe. In the universe. In existence. We're saved, eventually, because of a ratatouille. Because, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just think about that for a second. One of the highest grossing films of all time is able Doesn't... to take place. The events of it are able to happen, and our feelings are able to get punched repeatedly. Oh, yeah, over and over again. Because a rodent happened <laughs> to be walking across the dashboard of this van and, and hit all the right buttons on the right button in the correct order to release a Paul Rudd from the tiny place. A rat, a rat is able to be a part of this four million billion whatever scenario. Like Doctor <laughs> Strange had to have seen this happening. Yeah, I and guess, he somehow uh, didn't just go <laughs> like when he popped out of it, <laughs> like a giggle or something. Guys, there's one way we get through this, but I got to be honest, at least a million of these versions, the rat never triggers it. Like, that's what he's staring at the whole time. It's just like a dash cam of that button, just waiting <laughs> for something to walk so, across. On, there's got to be some kind of animal or something. Is there like some sort of 
something I can set in motion from up here on Titan that's going to make that rat show up? I don't know. And you got to figure that rat lost half of its family too, or that's whatever true. rats live in. I don't know if it's a family or what. I again seen Ratatouille, but they're all about stealing food <laughs> that's not theirs. You shouldn't right. steal food, little chef. But I can't believe <laughs> that this entire movie hinges on a fucking rat. It really should have been Remy. I feel like they could have cross-promoted that movie a lot better. <laughs> it should have been, and that would have been the fucked up thing. It's like, that's their way of Disneyfying it, like, to the yeah. extreme. <laughs> oh, guess what, guys? We just expanded the universe even further. All the Pixar movies, part of the MCU. It turns out that Paul Rudd gets shot out the back of this van and he goes, God, it is true. Anyone can cook. <laughs> Scott struggles to comprehend the disheveled state of San Francisco, and he eventually stumbles upon a memorial monument for the vanished. And he panics. He runs through, searching for his daughter Cassie's name. Instead, he finds his own. That's just as concerning, I'd say. That's got to be a really fucked up moment to be like, oh, all these people disappeared? Wait. Well, he doesn't know that all these people disappeared or anything. It seems like he has the kid on a bike, and the kid just looks at him like, go away, old young looking man. This is Paul (laughs) Rudd. Yeah. Who are you? You look the same as you did five years ago. You must wait. <laughs> they did pick the wrong actor to do this with. <laughs> or it's the true. right actor, maybe. Because he maybe, didn't. Uh, it, actually, it's the perfect actor. No, I think about it. No, it makes he did sense not age at all. Only don't five age. hours exactly. passed for him. Yeah. So in Paul Rudd time, that's nothing. Five years, five <laughs> hours, it's all the same. Uh, yeah. But he goes up to the wall and he's just looking for names. And I don't know why. I think he just thinks of it as like a memorial wall of some sort. Like, I wasn't, who explained He knows that there was some sort of catastrophic event yeah. because this memorial wasn't there when he left. And now it's here and there's a lot of names. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. oh no, is my daughter alive? She probably is, but you're not. Exactly. So let's he's get like, weird. Oh, I'm dead. So he rushes to a house. His house? Judy Greer's house? I don't know. Doesn't matter. He finds Cassie. And in the last five years, she's aged about 10. Yes, she has. Um, <laughs> she, oops. This actor they, they decide to hire to play the, the five years later version of Cassie is much older than five years older than Cassie was in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah, this is Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, the writers of this film, popping in very quickly to address this. Uh, Ant-Man's a superhero and she hit super puberty. Super puberty. <laughs> I was going to not... I was gonna, yeah, that's a child, Brian. Yeah, I was going to abbreviate child. it and decided halfway through it was a bad move. That's the right move to uh, Don't abbreviate puberty. Correct. <laughs> I don't know how you have to say that out loud, but yes. That's, um, that's just a, a PSA from me. Yeah, that's actually been the subtitle of our show the entire time we've done it. <laughs> the Kate Podcasters, don't abbreviate puberty. It's because we can't say like, because I'm a Toys R Us kid because they went out of business. So now it's just right. don't abbreviate puberty. I heard they're coming back. That's the rumor. So I guess we'll get there. After they forced all those Toys R Us kids to grow up, they've pretty much aged themselves out of their own market. At the Avengers facility, Natasha commands the team, having them perform various assignments around everywhere. I don't know. There's lots of people doing different missions. They're reporting to her. Rhodey informs her of a recent cartel massacre carried out by Clint, and he's like, I don't know if we really want to find this guy. He's kind of scary now. Yep, he got a haircut, which we'll learn about later. <laughs> sure did. That's the scariest part yes, about it is. Clint. And we're going to get there much, much later. I want to talk about that haircut, but much later. Steve pops in to check on Nat, and they commiserate about their inability to move on. And then suddenly, Scott arrives at the front door. And I love this, how the camera that's been on for forever... He's just like, is that a recording? And she's like, what the fuck, Steve? Like, you know all this stuff now. 
Right? You've been unfrozen for enough time to understand how this technology works. You can't be asking stupid questions anymore, Steve. They're all under the impression that Scott got snapped. So, you know, after five years, probably be very surprising to see him. I suppose that's true. They're actually handling it a lot worse than the daughter who lost a father is handling it. <laughs> that's true. But she had super puberty on her side. So maybe that's, that's why right. she accepted a lot faster. She matures. She's like, okay, you're alive. Yeah, her, Neat. her emotional reaction is so mature due to super puberty that she's just like, you, I have your DNA. I'm not even mad that you've been missing for the last five years. <laughs> you were a deadbeat before, too. So this is fine. Yeah, jerk. He was the world's greatest grandma. That's a good point. I apologize to all the Meemaws out there. Not the, the one. Except for the Stephen Strange one. <laughs> Only got the finger on that Meemaw. <laughs> Scott reveals to Natasha and Steve that although five years have passed, for him it only felt like five hours in the quantum realm. He proposes that they could exploit the realm's time-bending nature to travel into the past and retrieve the Infinity Stones, but they're gonna need help. Now, this is an awfully large leap for a man who's not a man of science. I feel like in the first movie, they established him as a smart person who turned to crime for reasons, but then became really dumb along the way. Fair. Maybe he's just been hanging out with Hank long enough to be like, quantum stuff, we could time travel. Do you feel good about that? I mean, if it gets us moving on. Fair yes. enough, okay. <laughs> <laughs> We cut to Tony Stark in a nice cabin in the woods on a lake, just hanging out with his daughter, Morgan, played by Lexi fucking Rabe. I'm giving it to her because this is one of the best child acting jobs I've seen in a while. It's very good. When Nat, Cap, and Scott arrive, Tony flat out tells them, no, he has too much to lose in the present to go messing around with the past. Sometime after they leave, Tony comes across an old photo of him and Peter Parker, played by Tom fucking Holland. And just like that, Tony Stark figures out time travel in an evening. And it's a crazy scene, too, because he's kind of just doing it after hours, just in his living room. Yeah. Saying, like, oh, why don't you try this model? And then I love when it, like, the model works, and he sits down and he goes, holy shit. Oh, shit. And then Morgan's like, shit. And you know how much I love kids swearing. Kids swearing is the greatest thing in the world. It's my favorite thing of all time. It's mine, too. I totally get it. And me and Brian often share clips on the internet of children just swearing, <laughs> and it's adorable and hysterical. It will always go down well. Yes, forever and ever. Tony asks Pepper what he should do, but she knows that he's not going to be able to rest if he thinks there's something he can do to help. So she's like, go hang out with your friends. Well, it's because he's like talking like, oh, how was your day? And he's like chewing on a popsicle stick that he, yeah, he's, he's, he took the last bit from his child, which having three of those things. <laughs> this would not go over as well it as this movie fly. presents it to go over. It would. You got. You got to let your kid finish. Tantrums. The juice. A plenty. <laughs> this is unrealistic. But he's like sucking his pop. He's like, oh, Pepper, how was your day? And he's staring over at the model, and she's like talking. He goes, I did it, you know. And she's like, You're gonna tell me what you did anyway, Tony. Just go ahead. Just so we're on the same page. Time travel. <laughs> yep, I invented time travel. It's pretty great. He's like, now I got two options. I could save the world, or I could just dump it in the lake. And she's like, we both know you're not going to dump it in the lake, asshole. She's right. She is right. Uh, also, I feel like I might have slighted Gwyneth Paltrow earlier when I just said Gwyneth Paltrow, because Gwyneth fucking Paltrow, and we will get there. We really will. I'm looking forward to getting there. We are going to 100% get there. Well, we have to. We have to get there. We absolutely have to get there. Because if we skip that, then uh, we, we fucked up. We definitely messed up if we skipped that. <laughs> Meanwhile, the other Avengers recruit Bruce Banner, who has at some point in the last five years merged his brain with Hulk's body. So now he's he's a smart Hulk. He's Professor Hulk. 
Professor Hulk, and he's he's a celebrity. Kids love him. And he like dabs and shit. He sure does. And he tells he tells kids, listen to your mother. She knows better. And I, I don't know what she knows better means, but. Better than who? I don't know. She, she knows like better. anti-dad? <laughs> listen to your mother. She knows better. Not, not she knows best. <laughs> she knows better. Hulk knows best. I, I guess so. Coming to you, ABC, <laughs> Monday night. <laughs> Hulk knows best. They ask him to run uh, time travel tests on Scott using the van. And after a couple mishaps, Tony shows up and he's like, all right, I'll fix this for you guys. Now that you made Scott into a baby and an old man, <laughs> somebody peed in his suit. Uh, it's Paul Rudd things. <laughs> Tony shows up with his time GPS that he invented, and he returns Cap's shield to him, kind of like, hey, guess what? We're cool now. Here's your shield. And now they just have to get the rest of the band back together. It's on Patreon. Blues Brothers. Go check it out. <laughs> Absolutely is. Uh, also, combining those, better movie. Would have been very interesting. I'm going to go with better. I would love just random ass musical breaks in this thing. <laughs> I want a full on Hulk and Rocket Blues Brothers movie. Yeah, that'd be pretty terrific. It's a thousand miles to New Asgard. We've got. <laughs> <laughs> it's night. It's dark, and I'm wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Hit it. Hulk and Rocket travel to New Asgard to recruit Thor. Unfortunately, Thor kind of blames himself for the whole losing to Thanos thing, and over the last five years uh, has become uh, an overweight drunkard. The reaction this got in the theater uh, yeah, was enormous, and it was only just the start of reactions <laughs> to come. Yeah. Uh, oh, we got a fat Thor. Neat. And he plays uh, Fortnite. And, and he yells at thought, a child about he does. over the mic. Noob Master 69. That's right. <laughs> he keeps bullying Korg, and Th- Thor will not let that stand. As you shouldn't. Korg's a national treasure Korg. of wherever he's from now. <laughs> New Asgard, apparently. Sure. They eventually convince Thor to come back because they say they have, they have beer on the ship, and he says, what kind? It's like it's going to matter, Thor. Come on. It doesn't matter. We need you, Thor. We need you, buddy. You know, I was in a dark place once, and you know who helped me out of it? Who, not? No. It was you, Thor. It was you. How touching. So touching. (laughs) Meanwhile, Nat goes to Tokyo, and she finds Clint just murdering a whole mess of Yakuza as part of some sort of crusade against all the criminals who survived the snap. Then he's like, hey, you shouldn't have come here. And she's like, well, you know, we're getting the band back together. And he's like, hey, don't you do that. Don't you give me hope. Not even that. So this delivery is ridiculous because he says, don't. And she appropriately says, don't what? Don't what? What What am I supposed to get out of don't? I haven't seen you since we were in Germany fighting. And you're going to just say, don't? Did lead to a great gift, though, after the fact. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I use it all the time. That don't give me hope meme is one of my favorites from this movie. It's very good. Rocket and Stark build a time machine. And then Hulk explains to everyone why time travel movies are bullshit. Which I really appreciate because within time travel films, they all get the chance to establish their own rules. Yes. And the rules in this movie are the other ones are bullshit. (laughs) Everyone else is wrong and we're right. And are they right? Who the fuck knows? Who cares? Who knows? (laughs) Enjoy the ride. It's very interesting. I like 
Hulk's explanation is so wacky. He's like, if you're going to the past, that becomes your future. And then the present is your past. And you can't change the past by going to the future. And Nebula's just like, he's right. It's a good way to pay out. I had to rewind that a couple of times to try to figure this thing out. Because I was like, oh, I think he's saying something important. Then it took me the third viewing to go, he's not. Nope, nope. He's, he's not. He's saying words. And <laughs> I'm sure if you really think about it, it makes sense because I don't know that Marcus and McFeely are ones to just be like, let's just put some words on paper and people will just be like. Because you can never go back to the present. Right. That's all he was getting at in exactly. such a roundabout way because he's technically right. Right. Because when you leave, you leave the present and you can never go back to that exact moment because now it's either going to be your past. You go back to the future in a way because now you're 10 seconds from where you left. Uh, you lost me halfway through that I'm just gonna say yeah good call yeah (laughs) and there's a a crazy doctor with these wild eyes and a sports almanac right that's the most important part of it exactly and an enchantment under the sea dance (laughs) and your kids are gonna love it it's heavy (laughs) Clint volunteers to do a test run to the past he arrives back on his farm picks up a baseball mitt, hears his kids running around and shouts at them, or not at them, but out to them. He shouts, hey, kids, and then, you know, he's pulled back to the present before he can see his kids, but he has that baseball mitt, so they know their plan can work. Good enough, I guess. You can just yank stuff out of the past and bring it to the present, so there's a chance. It would be so good if they had a, like, field of dreams it the whole way. How He's he's (laughs) like, I popped out in the middle of a cornfield. Like, I get Iowa, but Jesus, that's way too literal. <laughs> what am I doing here? And what am I hearing amongst all these rows of corn? <laughs> and who puts mayonnaise on a hot dog? And who took my shoes? That fucking Joe Jackson. God damn it. <laughs> R.I.P. Ray Liotta, man. Indeed. Glad we got that off our chest, right? Who finally? <laughs> We've been yeah, harboring about- that Rayleigh of the grief, clearly. You know, we wanted to wait till an important episode so everybody heard us. Right? It's like Twilight's on the movie. Why did they bring up Rayleigh Oda dying again? Because <laughs> a man got his head chopped off by a helicopter. That's a why. More, a little more pressing. <laughs> a little more a little more relevant to the plot. Right. It wasn't even the plot, but still. Nope. A man got anyway. his head chopped off by a helicopter. IRL. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back a week. That's right. It's a story you already knew, but we got to make sure you know that part of it, that a man got his head chopped off by a helicopter. (laughs) (laughs) You can't beat around that bush. You can't. So the Avengers plan out their time heist using points from their past to pinpoint destinations for the Infinity Stones. And they realize that the Space Stone, the Mind Stone, the Time Stones are all in New York City in 2012. So that makes pretty easy to you know just show up somewhere and nab three of the stones the reality stone the only time they know for sure where it is is when it's on asgard in 2013 during the events of thor the dark world yeah i can't believe it came back either (laughs) and of course the power stone and soul stones are on morag and vormir and might as well just be 2014 because that's when they know peter quill goes to get the power stone exactly so they split up into three teams They travel back in time to begin their missions. Rogers, Stark, Banner, and Lang arrive in 2012 in the midst of the Battle of New York. It's probably not where you want to be. I mean, you know how the outcome's going to be, but still, I wouldn't want to relive that. That was horrifying. 
I feel like there's a lot of enemies running around. It's they're gonna try to engage you in battle. And it's like maybe maybe we choose like a day or two before this. I don't know. Spoilers. They won't. They absolutely won't. <laughs> Although I do have questions. Somebody definitely saw Ant-Man during this little time jump, and that's how he ended up in the musical in Hawkeye. I'm okay with that. That's my theory. That's a great theory. And that musical in Hawkeye, if you don't like it, then we're not friends. I, I want to put that out there. And agree. I know people are just like, oh, it's kind of stupid. I'm like, well, you're kind of fucking stupid. Yeah, how about that? You thought that was stupid. You're really not going to like the Marvels. <laughs> yeah, my fingers remain crossed that it's a musical. They will forever remain crossed. I'm a sucker and for musicals and especially Joker silly musicals. Oh, Joker 2. Come on, man. That's going to be very, so damn exciting. Very excited about that. Yeah. Don't shit on musicals. Don't! Hulk approaches the New York Sanctum and finds the Ancient One, played by Tilda fucking Swinton. She's going to give us a little crash course and uh, timelines and time travel and what happens when you remove an Infinity Stone and what that does to a timeline. It's almost like it's foreshadowing. It's kind of foreshadowy, I would say. Like if there were a shadow on it and it was golfing, I'd yell, four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> you proud of that one? Uh, it's rare that I get to ask uh, you that question. <laughs> ask me after I finish this drink. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I, it's a, currently no. Yeah, okay. But that it's already sense. growing on me. Yeah, it's slowly, slowly, four, all right, all right. <laughs> so the Ancient One just flat out refuses to give the Time Stone to Hulk. And then, you know, she knocks him out of his body. They start talking. They do the stuff. He name drops Doctor Strange, tells her that he just handed it over to Thanos, and she's like, shit, good enough for me. Here, just make sure you bring it back or our timeline is fucked. Thanks. Now, would you say she's going, yeah, that's good enough for me, or do you think that she understands her powers and uh, she can have foresight, and knows that Doctor Strange had to have given over the stone for a reason. Oh, 100%. Well, it's okay. not like she, I mean, we already know how far her foresight goes because we learned that in Doctor Strange. Right. But she does know that Doctor Strange is supposed to be the best of the the uh, sorcerers. Right. And she trusts his judgment. So if he handed over to Thanos, there must have been a reason. That's all you need, I guess. Good so enough. She just hands a time stone over to Hulk. Meanwhile, at Stark Tower... Scott and Tony attempt to steal the Tesseract, but their plan goes awry thanks to an angry Hulk, and they lose the stone to Loki, who uses it to teleport over to Disney+. Plus. It's not just an angry Hulk. It's a Hulk who doesn't want to take the stairs. Which is understandable, but it's also, uh, you know, elevators have weight capacities, Hulk. You gotta understand that too, Hulk. You gotta. They probably could have, like, put him in the freight elevator or something, but... <laughs> could have. Uh, yeah, this was one of the biggest question marks after this movie came out of, so Loki got that stone, huh? Yeah, so, uh, what's going on with Loki We're now? not going to resolve that at all, huh? All right. Well, that's interesting. I guess we'll, we'll find out in the future what happens there. And then Disney Plus happened. Yeah, and, found it, out. and it was beautiful. And it was so good, and I can't wait for season two. Cannot wait! Cap obtains the scepter by feigning Hydra affiliation with all the, the folks that are on the elevator, because, you know, he has got that foresight that they're all bad guys, and he's like, hey, if I just say, Hail Hydra, they'll give me whatever I want. And they do. That's exactly how it plays out. <laughs> and also, this whole scene is extremely calm for a bunch of alien men outside, just kicking all the butts. Well, at this point, they had already killed all the alien men. Even so, you're looking yes, at, like, after a composed. major disaster, 
considering that New like York was minutes just ago. They're like, okay, decimated. threat's gone. Now time to act calm about every little thing and not go check on my loved ones or whatever I do after a something this catastrophic. <laughs> Let's We're all mostly just, just back concerned. to business. Yep, mostly concerned of making sure that Loki goes home with Robert Redford. Who's in this movie? And Who is, it blew yeah, my mind. He came out of retirement just to do this movie, apparently. How cool would it be to, first of all, be retired? Then you come do one of the biggest films of all time and then just get to re-retire? Like, man. Absolute badass. He's like, yeah, I'm done acting. And they're like, hey, we need you for a scene in the new Avengers movie. He's like, I'll do it. <laughs> Good for you. He's a treat. A brief treat, but a treat nonetheless. He's like, I'm coming back from my, my role in The Winter Soldier. Right? That's where he was. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Anyway. 22 movies before this thing. It's hard to keep track sometimes. <laughs> it is. It's hard to keep track. So Cap has the scepter. He starts walking around with it, getting ready to leave Stark Tower, and he comes face to face with who else? 2012 Steve Rogers, who's like, I, I found Loki. And Cap's like, I'm not Loki. And then we get a classic Mortal Kombat mirror match. It's very good. It's so cool. Like, I feel like they were like, all right, we're doing time travel. How can we have an Avenger fight themselves? Like, all right, we're going to bend over backwards and make this happen. But it's also that the hero who isn't, well, he's overpowered, yes, but it's not like goofily overpowered like Iron Man would have been in the suit. And then you have to have a much grander scale of a battle happening between these two. Yeah. It's more hand-to-hand fighting. just, Just two super soldiers. Also, I feel like there would be a huge difference in... If like if it was Iron Man versus Iron Man, you'd have like an updated suit, Mark Forty Three Iron Man versus Mark Eighty Nine or whatever it is. <laughs> it's not even fair at that point. It's like yeah, I already know everything you can do with that, and it's not going to be enough. Nope, not even close. But Cap v Cap, that's a fair fight, and both of them can do it all day. They sure can. After defeating his past self, Steve rendezvous with Tony and Scott, and with only enough pin particles for one more trip each, Stark and Rogers are like, well, we got to get this Tesseract. Yeah, they kind of fucked up. I like how they recognize how badly they fucked up. Yeah, immediately they're like, oh no, the fate of the universe, uh, gone, done. We got to do something, right? We can't just go back. So they decide they're going to go further back in time to Camp Lehigh in 1970, where they have another shot at grabbing the Tesseract and more Pym Particles. And I love how confused Scott Lang is because they don't explain anything to him. Not a damn thing. They're like, I think I know where to go. You do? Yeah. Do you trust me? All right. Scott, take the scepter. Go back to the present. He's like, what is happening? You guys are, if you don't get more pin particles, you're screwed. You realize that. It's completely true. And maybe we'll get there. Maybe. If I remember, we'll get there. <laughs> I mean, isn't that always the case with the we'll get there? No, because most of the time I just say it to move on. And I have no intention of ever getting there. That's fair. That's fair. Do you think Tony in the back of the in the back of his mind was like, "Hey, even if we fuck this up, Cap's gonna live long enough to get back to the, the correct timeline." Maybe, but I mean, that's the ultimate like long con, isn't it? Yeah. Luckily, uh, that doesn't happen. No, luckily, it doesn't happen. <laughs> A car with enough said bumper sticker drives by, and a timeline-accurate Stan Lee shouts out, Hey, man, make love, not war. It's wonderful. It's, it's fantastic. ovation. I have a question for you, but before I get to this question, yeah. I have an email I have to read from, uh, I mentioned it last week, actually. Oh, this I, is the one we teased. This is the one we teased. In our I Twilight's on the Movie uh, right. episode where the lead actor got his head chopped off. By a helicopter. That's right. That's right. Random fan Vincent. 
Hi, Vincent. Sent us an email. He said, too much time was spent on this. It's probably 90% accurate, which is an A minus, and I could live with that. What Vincent <laughs> did was he went through our old MCU episodes and he marked down whether we snapped or didn't each Stanley. Oh, what a hero. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's not completely accurate because he, he left out the Spider-Men and the X-Men and all the other movies that Stan has been in. But uh, honestly, an effort that still goes very appreciated for our purposes here today. It's very appreciated. I was never going to do it. No, there wasn't a chance. Or as um, I say, <laughs> I'll get there. Right. Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> so Vincent went through, and I don't know if you re-listened to all the episodes. There's a lot that just say unknown, which makes me think he only kind of half did it, but That's good still, enough for me still. Appreciated. Appreciated. And I actually don't know when we started doing it, because through Thor of the Dark World, there's no... Up until then, we didn't yeah, do it at no all. no clue when we started that. But uh, sometime around Winter Soldier, we started snapping stands. So long ago. I, I <laughs> was. I am clueless as to who's snapped who's not snapped because i do it from the gut well i'll tell you this remember how i was like i feel like we snap him more times than than we don't tell me it's 50 50 no according to this he's he's been snapped way less <laughs> <laughs> we've only snapped him in winter soldier civil war black panther and ant-man and the wasp wow so he's just like the rat he yeah saves the um, day this movie. it seems like we were undecided on whether to snap him or not in age of ultron and ant-man and that just tells me that we were in disagreement about whether he, i was saying he shouldn't be and you were saying he should be i usually, that's usually the way it goes on the side of snap that motherfucker yeah yeah but uh he he got out of doctor strange guardians 2 spider-man homecoming thor ragnarok infinity war and captain marvel so wow and i'm gonna be honest with you he's getting out of this one too he's absolutely getting out of this one they did a really good job. I also really appreciate that the woman next to him in his car, that's an actual, like, past rendering of Stan's real wife. Is it really? Yeah. So he probably got, like, an old boner sitting there looking at his <laughs> past wife. Yeah. I mean, he never saw the movie, but... That's... Well, he filmed it. Well, I presume that he was... He saw at least a cut of it. I didn't need to see it, Daddy. I lived it. <laughs> I mean, but it was a stand-in for his, his wife Still, in the, in the that's filming. pretty great. Like, if you're an old, wrinkled, dementia-up man <laughs> who's looking hey, at his old, wrinkled, dementia-up like wife, wife the 70s. And, and you get, like, an accurate portrayal of your young wife, he's probably sitting there like, Excelsior penis! Excelsior! <laughs> uh, it's a good thing it probably didn't work because... You know, we don't want Stan getting me tooed in the <laughs> his last one. film appearance of all time. Out from the backseat, it's just Ronan Farrow popping up. I knew it! <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, you know, the visual effects wouldn't have been done yet by Lola, so he wouldn't even known that she looked like his wife. That's fair. It's just a lady. Just a <laughs> Just a young lady next to him in a car. <laughs> Also, I'm pretty sure they used to stand in for him, too. I'd have to imagine, because at this point, he was practically just a Muppet. Like, he was not doing well at all. <laughs> we were just weekended standsing all yeah. over the place. <laughs> I want to see that so fucking badly. <laughs> weekended Stanleys. It's just Kevin Smith. That's his next movie. Instead of, like, a Yoga Hoses or a Tusk or a Moose Jaws, if he ever gets <laughs> to that, it's just weekended standsies. <laughs> I'd watch it. I would watch the hell out of that. I'm also still very surprised that Kevin Smith hasn't gotten a proper movie in either universe. I am not surprised at that, because, I mean, are there any characters who just sit around talking? I'm like, sure. a lot? I'm sure we could but find But, like, one. a lot. <laughs> just so much talking. 
Vincent, you're a gentleman and a scholar and a, an absolute hero. Not all heroes wear capes unless you wear a cape. I don't fucking know. You're a random fan, Vincent. No capes. But bravo, sir. Bravo, no bravo, that bravo. Harkens back to like, I don't know, episode four or Whatever something. Incredibles Insane. was. Whenever we did Incredibles, it was right. very early on. Don't wear a cape, Vincent. There's your advice for being there a hero. There you go. You, not all heroes wear capes, and you, nor should you. <laughs> right. We want to keep you around as long as we can. Yeah. And we'll hear more from Vincent later. Oh, boy. All right. Double dipping. We'll get there. At the S.H.I.E.L.D. base, Steve Rogers stealthily obtains the particles from Hank Pym, Michael, uh, you know, a de-aged Michael fucking Douglas, before he had the throat cancer. <laughs> right. So at this point, he's <laughs> either too selfish and too big of a deal to eat out, or... He just, he's not experienced enough yet. Or it's the 70s and he just hasn't met her yet. That's also true. <laughs> the magical snatch that is Catherine Zeta Jones. So Rogers gets the pin particles, but then he runs into Peggy Carter's office. Haley fucking Atwell. Because he went well, into he's... an office, so it had to be a, a, again. Of course. Set the course for circumstantial. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Yvette Nicole Brown is tattling on him for being in the elevator. She's like, I know that the guy's not from around here. Speaking of fucking rats, jeez. <laughs> I just love how many uh, cast members of Community, the, the Roosters, the Russos shoved into this movie. Did you call them the Roosters? The Roosters, yeah. <laughs> um, there's a little slip of the tongue. The, the buffalo is tracing. Um, oh, but man. I'm sticking to it, and from now on, they are the Roosters. The Rooster Brothers. <laughs> the Rooster Brothers. The cock of the walk, baby. But yeah, he had to dip into a, an office to evade security, and it just happened to be director of S.H.I.E.L.D., Peggy Carter. And Peggy Carter's really bad at looking through windows that are I was just going to say the exact same thing. The director of S.H.I.E.L.D., who doesn't see somebody standing <laughs> on the other side of a glass window. <laughs> Gotta celebrate the bad, tear down the good. That's right. That's right. <laughs> celebrate <laughs> Not, the bad. Nothing's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't give me high hopes for S.H.I.E.L.D. if the director doesn't see people in windows. No, 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 no. Meanwhile, Stark is in the basement. He grabs a tesseract because he can see through walls because of his fancy glasses. And then he's immediately encountering his own father, Howard, played by John fucking Slattery. Time for some closure! Time for closure. Howard's wife is expecting a baby soon. You know, a, a little Tony Stark. So Tony offers some parenting advice to his own father, saying that the go easy on your kid when he lights the rug on fire? Is that something he said? Well, that's what Marty <laughs> told his parents in the past. Uh, he tells Howard that the good times he had with his father is all he really remembers. So is that advice? I, I don't know. I mean, that's after he, he offered advice. Okay. <laughs> he did both. He offered advice and he also said, hey, doesn't matter what you do. The kid's only going to remember the good times. Trust me. So Wink. you could fuck up as much as you want. But as long as like you balance it with a good time, like, oh, good time, bad time, good time, good bad, time bad time. time. He's right. only going to remember the good, the good times. And clearly his neurotic tendencies that he has aren't some sort of childhood trauma. No, for right? sure. He's, he's not trying to prove to his daddy that he's good enough. Oh, okay. That's not Tony Stark. Gotcha. Okay. I just want to make sure that we all understand the character. He's only going to remember the good times. And of course, Howard's like, man, the kid's not even here yet, but I would do anything for him. And Tony's like, I'm going to give you a big hug. But would he do anything for him? It doesn't seem like it, but also, I don't know. He left like plans for an unfound element inside a theme park or a 
expo so he could change a suit to save his I don't know. There's stuff that happened in Iron Man 2, I think. That's fair. So Tony gives his dad a big old hug and you know Strangers closure. hugging strangers. It's powerful stuff. <laughs> Two Howards hugging it out. And of course, Howard Stark is like, do, do we know that guy? He's asking Jarvis uh, from the TV show Agent Carter. It's pretty neat. It's the first time that a TV show character got uh, bumped up to the movies. Canon. Good for there him. There you go. At least one of the shows. <laughs> yep. Closure. That, that was what I was going with that, right? Closure. Right. He got his closure. His daddy issues are resolved? I guess so. Clearing out everything for this character. I bet you he's going to be just fine. <laughs> Arriving on Asgard in 2013, Thor immediately has a panic attack after seeing his mother, Frigga, played by Renee fucking Russo. And he recalls that, oh shit, today's the day she dies. Well, that's the problem. I don't know if she's alive now. You're going to see her alive. You were in Dark World. You know how this goes. <laughs> you knew what day you had to go back to to get the ether. Rocket slaps him, tells him to get his shit together because they have to extract the ether from Jane Foster's body. Which is insane. Which is absolutely insane. And <laughs> damn it, we'll get there. Yep. Instead, Thor runs away, leaving Rocket to do it himself. As you do, yeah. E- even more questions. Now you have just a random raccoon in Asgard extracting an Infinity Stone from a Jane Foster. I love it. Fine. It's great. Frigga finds Thor and immediately knows that he's from the future. And she lectures him about the importance of failure, advising him to follow his own path rather than what he's, quote, supposed to be. And that's a message that'll carry on into a little love and thunderness. I love this scene so damn much. It's so good. And Chris Hemsworth is a lot more than just a pretty face. That guy can act his ass he off absolutely when it can. calls for it. Cause, you know, I believe that he's as, as goofy as he is in this movie. I still believe his pain and his inability to move on, you know? Well, why should he have an ability to move on? Because he's borderline immortal. Right. And all he's experienced is loss after loss after loss. Over and over and over again. And he's yeah. the one who has to pick himself up and keep going. Right. So he this tries is just to... so fucking beautiful, man. This, is, this lands. This lands really well. Absolutely. He tries to warn his mother about her impending death, but she silences him because she knows what he's going to say. And she knows that, you know, if you're from the future. This is, this is all supposed to go a certain way. So we're not going to mess with it. What a great mommy. Yeah. Rocket returns with the ether being chased by some Asgardian guards. As, Asgards? <laughs> sure. <laughs> that you was in there. I heard it. And Thor shares one last hug with Frigga. Closure. He got his. This is good. And she tells him to eat a salad. That's the right move. He looks like <laughs> shit. He does. <laughs> Before they jump back to the present, Thor reaches out for Mjolnir, finding that he remains worthy of wielding the hammer. And he's like, fuck, I'm bringing this back to the future. I love that so much. So good. Again, I love that again so much. So excited to find out that he's still worthy. That's a big moment, man. It's huge. It's closure again. Double closure. Double closure. In 2014, Clint and Nat board the Benatar for Vormir while Nebula and Rhodey remain on Morag, waiting for Peter Quill, Chris fucking Pratt, who's going to lead them to the Orb's chamber. And as soon as he shows up, Nebula and Rhodey knock him out. They go, they collect the Power Stone, and then they're like, all right, let's get back to the present. And as they're about to go, Rhodey 
jets off no problem, Nebula is left behind when her memories are entangled with those of her past self because they're sharing a network. Is that how it works? I guess so. The, her, her brain's in the cloud, and if you have two <laughs> nebulas, they're accessing the same cloud. Uh, you got to log off of that Wi-Fi in the brain. Uh, <laughs> you can't share this network. We're going to have some serious plot issues. Ebony Maw's like, wait a minute, I'm seeing two nebulas. I like how they're using the equivalent of like just Wi-Fi yeah. as a MacGuffin. Yeah. Because this is what advances the story to what it eventually becomes. <laughs> the Thanos of 2014 uses the link to see into the future by scanning future Nebula's brain. And he learns that the same humans who foiled his 2012 invasion are returning to reverse his ultimate victory. He's like, oh, I'm inevitable. I get the stones. I do the snap. They're coming back here to try to get them again so they can undo it. Assholes. Yep. <laughs> Determined to know more, he goes and he captures present Nebula as she attempts to warn Clint and Nat of, you know, Thanos has clued into what's going on here. Uh, mayday, mayday. They never get the message. And now a Nebula has been captured uh, by a past Thanos. Yeah. Got all that? <laughs> past Nebula confronts her future self and she collects the GPS watch and the pin particles from her. And she just hands them over to Thanos and is like, here, this is what future traitor me has. Uh, figure it out. Nebula's a big character, huh? Nebula's a very big character. <laughs> like, it's one of those that you don't really think about it too much. But she's super important to the actual plot Ridiculously of this movie. Ridiculously important. Otherwise, uh, you have no bad guy for the rest of it. So, so far, the two biggest characters that we have are Nebula and a rat. That's right. This is good. The new Avengers. <laughs> 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 Meanwhile, Clint and Nat arrive on Vormir. And they meet up with Red Skull, played by Ross fucking Markhand, who informs them that the sacrifice of a loved one must be carried out in order for one to retrieve the soul stone. A, a soul, soul for a soul. soul. And they're not sure if they should believe him. Clint's like, what, because he knows any of her parents? And Nat's like, well, I don't. Oh, <laughs> that's the thing right there. The Red Skull knows the name of her, her father, but she doesn't. But then why wouldn't he just make it up? Like, couldn't he just be like, oh, yeah, you're... Your father's name was Ezekiel. That's a dumb fucking name. And she would just be like, God damn it. Oh, I can't believe he knows who my daddy is. I don't know. He said it with authority. I think he knows. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> also, he's a random floating red skull protecting a, an infinity stone. I feel like... You should listen. Especially going in with the knowledge that Thanos came here to get the stone and left without a Gamora. You're like, oh, that checks out now. <laughs> it all makes sense. The two of them struggle to decide who should give their life for the cause, both insisting that it should be themselves. But there's a clear answer here. Like, who should sacrifice themselves and who shouldn't? One of them has a family and loved ones, and one is Nat. And one of them is Nat. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But Clint, you know, he's like, I became a bad person while everybody was away. Have you seen this haircut? <laughs> I don't even think I can face my family if we got them back. We'll get there. <laughs> so the two of them wrestle each other away from sacrificing themselves, you know, both lunging toward the, the cliff and also stopping the other one from lunging. It's a, it's a whole, I'm going to kill myself. No, I am. It was a lot like me and Brian talking about Spawn. <laughs> but ultimately, Natasha Romanoff, Makes the jump. She won! Yay! Leaving, what? 
<laughs> <laughs> Leaving the Soul Stone to Hawkeye. And that's uh that's our first big first big loss of the movie there. And it's a biggie too, because so far everything's coming up roses for everybody. And then it just got really real. And it's an appropriate time for it to get real because so far this film has very, very little stakes. Right. Except, you know, the fate of half the universe. But they're already gone. So realistically, we're, true. we're fighting against what is now the status quo for five years. So you're trying to bring them back. You don't even know if you could do that. Right. So now you're establishing actual stakes for the characters that we have here. They're right. not invincible. Wink. Ding. <laughs> <laughs> the Avengers all return to the present day. And they're all like, hey, we did it. And then Hawkeye's like, oh, I'm sad. And they're like, what happened? Where's Nat? Well, you know he's sad because he fell to his knees. He did. Uh, he, I mean, <laughs> he waited for the appropriate time that it would have the most emotional impact on the entire group. <laughs> I'm so sad that my knees no longer work. I'm so I'm so sad that I'm going to collapse in this time machine holding the soul stone. <laughs> Stricken with the loss of Natasha, the group know that her death can't be undone. Well, Thor is like, what are you talking about? We have the Infinity Stones. We can do whatever we want. And, <laughs> and what I think is the first time these two characters have ever talked to each other, Clint goes, that's not how it works. <laughs> Stupid god of thunder. You don't understand. There was a red guy there. Why don't you go talk to him? I love this so much because, like, they're both original Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they've ever had a conversation. <laughs> you go talk to him. So, you know, the Hulk throws a bench about it, and we move on. Yeah, as you do. Yes. Yeah, they vow to make sure that her death was not in vain. Like, We're it wasn't. You got the stone already. Exactly. You got Have the thing the you needed. You it already guys- was not in vain. Mission complete. Congratulations, you have successfully done the thing before you decided that you had to do the thing. (laughs) Exactly. So they construct a new gauntlet, and they load the six stones into it, and Thor is like, all right, now let me snap it. I'm the strongest Avenger. And they're like, you are in no condition. (laughs) And of course, the Hulk uh, does his whole, it's got gamma energy. It's like I was made for this. Sure. Whatever, you you gotta tell yourself to get that gauntlet (laughs) on your hand. Sure. The tiny gauntlet that the whole scene, you're like, how is he gonna put his hand (laughs) in that? And then as soon as he starts doing it, you know, it it does the Tony Stark thing. Iron Man's on it. it, it, The Hulk-sized gauntlet. And he snaps his fingers, and it brings all the victims from the snap back to life, starting with a few birds and a phone call from from Clint's wife. (laughs) That's uh, amazing the way you put that. (laughs) Starting with a few birds. How Hawkeye's like, I recognize that one. I haven't seen him in five years. <laughs> well, isn't it? It's like uh, <laughs> Scott goes over to the window and there's birds. And he's like, guys, I think it worked. <laughs> it was so good. Like, All right. Yeah, Scott. Good job. You saw there's like twice as many birds over here as I, I swear there were, there were fewer before. Whenever I throw out bread, there's usually only 16. And I'm counting 32. <laughs> You know what? Honestly, Paul Rudd is the most likely to be feeding the birds of the Avengers complex. (laughs) I know I'm supposed to be a dumb dumb, but I'm kind of a rain man for birds. I I can count them. (laughs) It's one of my weird superpowers. Ants are good at that. (laughs) But you wouldn't know because you never took the time to talk to an ant, right? I can feed birds. You, Anthony, you would have gotten along great with Anthony. Oh, R.I.P. Anthony. Mm hmm. Anthony, would he have gotten snapped or no? 
Yeah, of course not, Brian. What is why stupid? Why, why would he have? There's so many ants. Yeah, and half of them got to go, probably. Maybe. Now, what makes you think he wouldn't be in the half? Now, hold on a second. This we'd actually, I don't think we addressed in Infinity War. You got all the ants in the world. Yeah. Are half the ants gone, or does it take like a collective total of living things in the universe, and it just says half now? So, realistically, you could get like no ants got snapped. That would be a statistical anomaly for sure. I mean, I agree, but also a purple man with a fucking scrotum chin snapped his fingers <laughs> half the living things in the universe disappeared. Everything's a statistical anomaly. It's true. I mean- Especially when like, you're saying the word anomaly. <laughs> I feel like we lost four, <laughs> four people in the Barton family. Instead. Right. Exactly. They didn't just like be like, oh, man, we got to- Sophie's choice, these Bartons. It's not Aren't how it works. something like 10 times the amount of ants on this planet that there are humans, though? I feel like a lot of ants had to go. Or none of them. I can't imagine a world where no ants got snapped. I can. You ever seen the movie Ants? Yes. There's so many ants in that movie. Yeah, and half of them, gone. Half of those deserve to go, but the Bugs Life one should be alive and kicking. You know, speaking of Bugs Life, half of those ants are gone, too, and now they're never going to be able to get enough stuff for the, the Yeah, but half the grasshoppers are gone, too, so now they have to true. get half the stuff, probably. Yeah, but still, they don't have enough time. And then it becomes like the three and a half samurai as they gather their weird circus bugs, <laughs> All right? right? Now let's talk about the cast of A Bug's Life. <laughs> Which of these bugs got snapped? Because I think the ladybug's gone for sure. Dennis Leary is out. 1,000% <laughs> out. I think the caterpillar survives, though. He has to. He has to turn into a beautiful butterfly. A beautiful butterfly. <laughs> I'm glad we got that figured out. Absolutely. So just the important stuff here. This whole conversation was just a way for us to make sure in our hearts and minds that the <laughs> caterpillar from a bug's life is totally fine. Is this name Heimlich? It is Heimlich. I don't know why I know that. <laughs> <laughs> now you, dear listeners, probably said that was a roundabout way of doing it. We say it's been 180 some odd episodes. What else were you fucking expecting? <laughs> For uh, at least 170 of them, I've been dying to talk about which of the Bugs Life characters got snapped. So. I'm finally going to be able to sleep tonight knowing about this in my head. <sighs> this is great. My head cannon is fixed. Closure. It's all about closure. <laughs> we got it. <laughs> we should mention that Hulk gets a little boo-boo when he snaps the <laughs> gauntlet. His whole left side is, is pretty crispy. And now he's going to have to wear a sling in future Right, he's got to heal his Hulk arm Until he apparently doesn't anymore. I don't know. I hope they explain it in She-Hulk, which is out right now, actually. So watch the first episode of that. Maybe they explain why Bruce no longer has to wear a cast. Right, and how he had a sue, and that's how he met the She-Hulk. He had a sue, the maker of that gauntlet. Also, she's his cousin. Yep. It's good to... (laughs) Know someone. Good to have a lawyer in, in the, the family. family. <laughs> uh, my cousin Vinny, next week. Don't, because that's a Marissa Tomei. Yeah, it is. And we'll get there. Eventually. Eventually, yes. While all of this is happening with the gauntlet and whatnot, past Nebula, who traveled to the present in place of her future self, that's a confusing sentence. Oh my god, I just had an aneurysm. <laughs> 2014 Nebula took present-day Nebula's place and came to... The Avengers campus in current year. Sure. And everyone's like, you're blue. That's good enough. They're like, yeah, you're her, the robot lady who hangs out with us for the last five years. Sure. Just as angsty and angry. So while they're all doing their their gauntlet shenanigans, she opens up a time portal, allowing Thanos to bring his entire ship and all of his 
armies to the present from 2014. Yeah, that's not great. The Avengers barely have enough time to celebrate their success when the ship just opens fire on the compound, leveling the facility to a pile of rubble. Oh, man, how great is that, though? Because you have Ant-Man staring at the window going, guys, I think it worked. And then the whole facility just gets blasted. Boom. Like, oh, no, we brought everybody back and they were mad at us. Like, that is the ultimate way to say, you're in Act 3 now, motherfuck. Yeah, I'll say. It's more like Act 4 or 5, though. Or 6 or 7, depending There's on There's so many acts in this movie. Uh, we'll, we're going to get to Marcus and McFeely in a little bit. <laughs> What's crazy is that there's all these mini arcs within each act that has three acts. Closure! Closure. As Thanos sends past Nebula to retrieve the stones, her future self reveals to Gamora that, you know, in the future they're friends. So Gamora's like, all right, I'll work with you, based on that little bit of intel <laughs> right now from a second of knowing you. Right. So she decides to join Nebula because she knows that her dad's an asshole. Well, she's like, I know how we could stop him. It's like, that would have come in handy literally only like five minutes ago. <laughs> oh, you know how to stop him? Did you try not getting caught in the past? Because that would have stopped him pretty quick, too. That would have, but then we wouldn't have a movie. That's Well, we wouldn't have a third act anyway. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> We'd still have a great time heist movie. Good point. Meanwhile, Rhodey, Rocket, and Banner are trapped in the flooding... Avengers facility, forcing Scott to come and save them. Always good when your fate is in the hands of the Ant-Man. Right. The real hero. Clint lands next to the gauntlet in the sewers, which are infested with Outriders. Already, all of Thanos' monster buddies are hanging out in the sewers. They got there real quick. So Clint has to run with the gauntlet. It's fucking fantastic. It's so good. I love when he shoots that arrow with the with the light on it, and it just goes down the hallway, and you, and you see all the... Ooh. He doesn't even hesitate to take off, though. He's, He's just like, like right. Heismaning that gauntlet. Gotta go. out of there. So after he escapes them, he passes the gauntlet to Nebula, but he doesn't realize it's past Nebula. Yeah, that's He's not great. Tasked by Thanos to, you know, get the gauntlet. Right. And at this point, the first time I watched this movie, I was like, she's going to put it on, and she doesn't. Because why would she? Well, because in the comics. Well, yeah, but we're not in that world. By we're not. Case. We aren't. But... You know, in the back of your mind, the first time you watch this movie, you're like, oh, we're, it's time for the Gamora gauntlet shenanigans. Yeah, I'm happy they didn't do that. I'm also happy they didn't do that. Instead, Gamora and present-day Nebula show up, and uh, Nebula kills herself. Yeah. The, the good um, Nebula kills good the bad Nebula. Good Nebula kills bad Nebula. And Clint is like, I don't know what the hell's going on. I'm just going to take this gauntlet back and run again. Right move. Yeah, absolutely the right move. Tony, Cap, and Thor go to confront Thanos, who's just sitting outside waiting for him. And I like how he kind of says it like Thanos won't hear him, but it was either Tony or Steve asked Thor, like, what's he been doing? We're just like, he's just sitting. And they go to that wide shot and they're like 20 feet apart. Yeah, (laughs) It's like, just ask fucking Thanos what he's doing at that point. I mean, come on. Hey, what are you doing? I'm just sitting here waiting. I have a bad knee. <laughs> well, I mean, you can't just give that information up out front. But I won't tell you which. <laughs> no, I've heard about this. It's called the Thanos knee. It's like an Achilles heel. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I like that in this moment, Thanos is like, eh, you ungrateful bastards. Looks like instead of just snapping away half of humanity or universe 
University? That's university. All of universities. <laughs> Instead of snapping away half of the colleges, I'm going to have to rebuild the entire universe at half capacity. Which I can't even state how large the stakes just got. Right? He's like, oh, instead of just doing the half thing, this time I'm going to kill all of you and start over. Yeah, that's not great. No, it's not what you want to hear from the guy who's just sitting there nonchalantly waiting <laughs> to fight the strongest people you have. Telling you about his trick knee. Exactly. Like, oh, oh, you guys, you know how confident I am right now? I'm going to tell you exactly what I plan to do after I kill you. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know. Tony attacks him, and Thor attacks him, and Cap attacks You know, they do, like, one at a time, because sure, they're silly. Sure, and then they, sure. they team up, and they're hitting him from it. And it looks like they're doing all right, but Thanos is a very strong boy. And he's got that big old blade, the double-sided blade. that huge double-sided blade. And he knows how to use it. And he sure does. You know, he, he takes out Tony pretty easily, because he's just a man in a suit. Yep. And, you know, Thor, he's an actual god, but he's not in great shape, so he takes him out, too. <laughs> he gets winded pretty easily. So Thor's getting a, a Stormbreaker to the chest from Thanos, which is not what he wants. And uh, all of a sudden, Mjolnir flies in, hits Thanos in the face, and then goes back off screen, only to be caught by a Captain America. I just got goosebumps all over again. <laughs> and of course, Thor's like, I knew it! Because, you know, it moved a little bit that one yeah, time. Yeah, in Age of Ultron. In Age of Ultron. All the callbacks. All the callbacks, and man, I really hope that you all saw this in theaters, because the reaction that this got was just absolutely insane, and it's not even the biggest one in the movie. (laughs) No, somehow. Like, not even close, weirdly enough, and this was enormous. There's, like, all this moment of just, you see Mjolnir move. And you're like, all right, Thor is probably, but you're like, maybe not. And just just like, you're holding your breath until that reveal. And it's like, yes. It's like, you know, but you you gotta see. You're like, you gotta wait. And then, oh. oh. But then Cap starts fighting with Thanos with Mjolnir and the shield. And he's just, and he's just going mono, mono with him. Walloping up on him. As best he could. With the lightning. You know, this is the first time. It's, he's trying it out. He's like, all right, I'm going to zap you a couple times. It's, it's going good for him. But then, you know, well, like I said, Thanos is a strong boy. Yeah, he is. And he just starts beating up Cap pretty bad. And uh, apparently his sword, very sharp, uh, sharper sharper than vibranium. And it starts, sure is. Starts chopping up Cap's shield. There is something about seeing Captain America's shield in pieces that just yeah. makes you lose a lot of hope. You're like, oh no, here we go again. Yep. <laughs> Wait, are they using this to, to like reboot the MCU? Because I don't think I can handle that. Yep, again. <laughs> so Cap is down and he's got half a shield and Thanos starts summoning the rest of his army, which includes- <laughs> It's large. Chitari, the Black Order. He's just like, yeah, I'm going to have fun with this. You know, I've conquered a lot of planets in my day. And, you know, it was all in service of this end goal I have. But um, end game, you might even say. <laughs> yeah. But this one, this is personal. I'm going to enjoy laying siege to your planet. And Cap, who can presumably do this all day, starts getting back up again. Just all bloodied and bruised and dirty and has half a shield that he tightens on his arm. And he's prepared to take on an entire army alone when a radio transmission comes through his headset. Oh, God, I just got goosebumps again. And it's Sam Wilson, Anthony fucking Mackey, telling him, 
on your left. Fucking beautiful. And the way that it's timed out is so good because you hear that crackle come in of Cap. Cap, you there. Cap, you there? You read me, Cap? And then you're just like, that sounded like Sam. And then he says, on your left. On your left. And the portal opens. Ooh, you start getting all these. Cap's left. Oh, my God. These sling ring portals. And out comes Black Panther. Yeah. With a Dormelage. And Shuri. And Shuri. Yes. <laughs> we'll get there. Well, we will. Presumably in the At future. At some point. But seeing Chadwick Boseman again, and I'm saying pre his death, like yes. even just while well, you know he's alive and kicking while you right. watch this the first time. Oh my God, that landed. Yeah, big time. It was like, oh, okay. <laughs> all right. Landing. Game's changing. And then all of these sling ring portals open up, and the masters of the mystic arts arrive with reinforcements from It's not Kamertage even just and- who's arriving. It's how they're arriving and the way oh, that it's framed it's so on good. screen. Because, yeah, you get your hero shots of these characters walking through the sling portals. But then you get this nice little pan out of Sam Wilson flying out. And right. you're kind of following him as you see the whole grand scale of it all. It is so well it's done. so well done. I mean, you have just so many heroes showing up and each one getting their moment of like, here I am, like Spider-Man comes out and the mask comes off and he gets his hero shot. And and Alan Silvestri gets his hero Alan shot. Alan Silvestri is Alan fucking, fucking Silvestri. It. Absolutely crushing it, this guy. Oh, this is the only MCU movie that I have the, the soundtrack of on vinyl. This is one of those moments that you've built up to for 22 movies, and it landed. It landed so hard. And the thing is, is that after that amount of time, almost nothing has any business landing. Right. And yet. And yet. We'll get there. You just got hit with somehow the nostalgia of 11 years leading up (laughs) to this, which isn't a lot of time, but you've gone through such a journey with every one of these characters. You know these characters inside and out. You've fought with them. You've loved with them. You've died with them. Yeah. And now they're all back fighting for the same cause. My God, this isn't even just one of the brilliant comic book movie moments. This legitimately lands... On a grander scale of cinematic history. Absolutely. And if anyone says that's bullshit, Marty Scorsese, I'm looking at you. I'm going to point <laughs> you to the $2.797 billion that this movie made. Yeah. And politely tell you to shove it up your ass. Because <laughs> this is a special moment. Uh, that would hurt. That's a lot of money to shove up your ass. And it would particularly hurt with such a tight butthole like that. So the reinforcements have arrived from Kamertage, Wakanda, Contraxia, New Asgard, along with all the unsnapped Avengers from Wakanda and Titan. Scott grows to giant size, emerging from the rubble of the Avengers facility, holding Hulk, Rhodey, and Rocket. Everybody's here. Everybody's back. Everybody's lining up. And Rogers calls for the Avengers to assemble. Oh, God. And as soon as he says assemble. <laughs> Every time. Uh, this, okay, second viewing. I did not expect it. This is the scene that makes me tear up. This is that big scene where you know everyone's coming together. And I feel like that's like the most important thing. Like the movie Miracle gets me all the time. Of course. And it's one of those like at the end of this grand journey, how they've all fought so hard together. They've all grown together. Mm -hmm. And it all works out. Or at least they've all banded and it will soon work out, hopefully. Hopefully. It's also this moment of like, I can't believe that we got here. 
it's unbelievable that we got here. Yeah. It really is unbelievable. But you have just Avengers assemble. Assemble. And then they charge. And again, going back to that theater, this is possibly the greatest experience I've ever had in a movie theater. Absolutely. Was that line because it's one of those as the audience, you're almost going into battle with them. Exactly. Oh, man. Chills. Right now, Every chills. time. Every fucking time, chills. Just talking about it, chills. It's a special moment, man. It really is. And it's one of those things you can't take away. No. And I, I love that so much. Like, this is... This genre of film, like I'm a film nerd. I get off on watching foreign <laughs> films and films of great cinematography and great written scripts and breaking down everything. But this is fun to me. This is yeah. like what I live for. Everybody who knows me knows I got a great appreciation for the classics, but I almost have just about as great of appreciation for just the guilty pleasure films that I just love watching <laughs> for no reason. You know movies what? I can't understand my love for, like Freddy Got Fingered. Like Freddy Got I Fingered. I have no idea why I love the movie. <laughs> no, it's, um, it's about entertainment, you know? It is, but it's also about making you feel something. Right. Like, not every movie needs to have a message. But no. if a film can make you feel something, it did its job. Even if that feeling's not a good feeling. Like, you're angry at the bad guy, it means it did its job. Yeah, definitely. And this is, a, this is a moment in cinematic history where you have 22 movies worth of character stories finally converging on this one moment, and it's... And it, they stuck it. Unlikely they that it'll be recreated ever in our lifetime. And that's almost unfortunate. But at the same time, yeah. it's not, because... You should just be grateful you got the one. Exactly. It's enormous. Yeah, it's absolutely huge. Although, you know, fingers crossed for Secret Wars. Of course, fingers crossed. I would love another one, but <laughs> I'm also realistic. Yeah. It was a miracle it worked once. It'll yeah. be a double miracle if it does don't, it again. Don't hold your breath for a second miracle, but, uh, you know, you never know. You never know. Hulk tells Clint, who's still carrying the gauntlet, that they need to get the stones back to the past and away from Thanos. With the main time machine destroyed, their only option is the ant van. So Scott and Hope, played by Evangeline Lilly, they jump to hotwire the dead vehicle. As Thanos' forces close in on Clint, he passes the gauntlet to T'Challa, Chadwick fucking Bozeman. And I love that there is no reluctance. How he's just like, I'm done. <laughs> I got nothing else. You take this. Yeah, and what I love about this scene is that if you remember in Civil War... Clint tried to introduce himself to T'Challa, and T'Challa's like, I don't care who you are. And here he's like, Clint, give me the gauntlet. And I'm just like, ah, oh, we've come so far. It's a long way, and I forgot all about that. So as Thanos is preparing to charge at T'Challa, he suddenly finds his path blocked by Wanda Maximoff, Elizabeth fucking Olsen. Oh, she is not fucking around. And she is very unhappy with Thanos. We're going to get a lot of Wanda not fucking around in the future. Yeah. But, oh uh, boy. And everyone said before this movie came out, like, Wanda is the strong one yes. out of the whole bunch. Like, she yes. could take Thanos. And I'm glad we finally got that one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. As Wanda engages Thanos, T'Challa passes the gauntlet to Spider-Man. But Wanda, she is, uh, I love her line. She's like, you took everything from me. And he's like, I don't even know who you are. She's like, you will. How good is that? So she is, she's just kicking Thanos' ass with her, her witchcraft magic. She breaks his sword. 
which we already know is stronger than Cap's Yep. Soul, <laughs> she lifts him up into the air, and she's just ripping chunks of his armor off of his body. I have no doubts that Wanda, one-on-one with Thanos, would absolutely destroy him. Well, it's one of those things where Batman, given enough time to prep, <laughs> will win any fight that he gets into. Right, yeah, Batman with prep time. Wanda, given enough time with her witchcraft and wizardry and whatnot, will destroy damn near anything. Everything. A desperate Thanos orders a missile barrage from his ship that's sure to deal great damage to both sides of this battle. He doesn't give a damn. But he's like, "Uh, I'm about to die at the hands of of this lady that I don't know. Uh, So, you know, rain fire. And he does. And they start shooting. But luckily, you know, the wizards, they can all put up a little shield above him. And it ends up not mattering because not long after that, the ships all redirect their fire to an object arriving from outer space. Now, this is a moment that didn't land well for me this time. Really? Really, because I like how you see the ship start aiming into the sky. Yes. And to me, it's saying something bigger is coming that we need to put our focus into. Yeah. And obviously, what we see is Captain Marvel. Yes. She has arrived. She's flown directly through the ship and taken it out. She has single-handedly destroyed the warship. But when she arrives and faces Thanos one-on-one, it doesn't work for me because we've seen so little of her that it makes it feel like it just, it wasn't earned. And okay. it's the only time I'll say it. It's the only character I'll say it with. I'm not saying that she's a bad character because I don't think she is. I think she kicks no, ass. I think she's I just feel excellent. like in this moment, it feels unearned. Interesting. I mean, they did just introduce her the previous film. They did, but yeah. they also just only introduced her at the beginning of this thing. And she's like, listen, all the planets are going through this. It's not just you. I got to kind of watch out for everybody. You might not see me for a while. You might see me for a while. And then, of course, she set her course for circumstantial and shows up right at the right time. Well, if she'd been there the whole time, it'd be a much easier battle. It would have been. would have a movie. Exactly. But <laughs> I don't know. Her entrance here feels unearned. Didn't care for it. Again, what comes after, I do very much like. The help that she gets. Oh, yeah. She retrieves the gauntlet from Peter Parker. And with the aid of every woman on the battlefield, regardless of how far away from her they were, like, you know, one of them might have been working on a van on the other side of the battlefield. <laughs> right, pops right. Up, um, you have that, that girl power moment. It's a good moment. It's, it's neat. They did it last movie in, in Infinity War also. I don't know. Speaking to a of, lesser extent, but it still works. I like that it happened. I just, it felt unrealistic and kind of shoehorned in. Yes, 100%. And that is the only time that I will echo something that one of those crazy woman-hating trolls say on the internet. There you have it. Take that sound clip, post it everywhere you can. Brian uh, saying that, post it everywhere you can. Please don't. Just, uh, <laughs> just know that I appreciate what they were trying to do. I think they could have done a better job doing it. I think that's fair. These eggshells I'm going to have to pull out of my yeah, feet Yeah, you got better be careful. They're everywhere <laughs> under your feet right now. So with the aid of every woman on the battlefield... Captain Marvel makes a dash for the van, and Thanos uses what's left of his sword to destroy said van and quantum portal. So now there's no going back in time with the stones. They have to win this battle. Which I love. Yes. There's no just removing the MacGuffin and, you know, we'll see what happens. It is now we have to beat Thanos' army. Right. You remove the safety net. This is it. And now the gauntlet is in Thanos' reach. So Tony comes over, fights him for a little bit. Not long, because Tony, again, just a man in a suit. man in a suit. <laughs> Cap comes over and gives him another shot. Thor comes over. Thor and Cap are working in tandem, using Stormbreaker and Mjolnir to try to take down Thanos. 
Thanos is fine. He gets through it. He gets the gauntlet. He starts to put it on, and then Carol shows up again, and she gives it her all, and then he knocks her away, and then he's got the gauntlet on, and Carol comes back, and she nearly defeats him. She's got a good grasp on his on this gauntlet. She's holding it open. She's getting the upper hand, and he pulls the power stone from the gauntlet and uses Aww. it in his other hand to just send her flying. What a move. And Tony has a moment of realization. And he gets the signal from Doctor Strange, Benedict fucking Cumberbatch, that this is it. This is the one future. That's pretty damn good that they've gotten this far and they're still in the one. Yeah. That's pretty good. A lot of people would say that that's good enough. That's a miracle we got this far. (laughs) Hey, you know what? Good job, team. Let's go home. (laughs) We we at least saw the future that we could have won. But, you know, he's got the gauntlet on. This feels inevitable. It does. And he's inevitable, as he keeps saying. So we, we know it's inevitable. Stark, having received the signal from Doctor Strange, dashes at Thanos one last time, but he's easily knocked aside, again, man in a suit. Thanos tells Tony, I am inevitable, and he snaps his fingers, and nothing happens. But in that split second, you're like, oh shit, here we go again. Yeah, it's uh, really hard to watch. It is. <laughs> you watch the- and it's one of those you're like thinking, hey, like, All right, how did they get out of this kerfuffle? Uh-oh, he's got it again. We are screwed. But then you get that clunk of the, the nano gauntlet hitting itself. Thanos turns his hand around. The stones aren't on the gauntlet. Oh, baby. What a great reveal. Cut to Tony, who is now just kneeling in front of Thanos, the stones gathering on his hand. And he replies to Thanos's I am inevitable with, and I am Iron Man. And he snaps. It's a big moment, to put it's it lightly. It's a huge moment. The guy who started it has just finished it. Just ended it. The line that birthed 22 movies <sighs> up until this point. Yeah. He says it again. He and then he does again, the thing. Does the thing. And Thanos watches in horror as his forces crumble to dust in front of him, only to be met by the same fate soon after. And Stark, of course, mortally wounded from the stones. He's stumbling around. He's met by Rhodey first, and then Peter, and then Pepper Potts comes up as he's dying, basically. Well, it's kind of a wild scene, because like I love the moment between Tony and Peter. Yes. Because you kind of have that father-son moment. They had a nice hug in the middle of the battlefield before. Right. Because Tony was just so happy to see him that he was back. It's like this was his kid. This was- In a way. Yeah, this was the reason- Peter Parker was the reason that Tony was like, okay, I'll do the thing. But I also kind of find it a little funny how when Pepper shows up, she might as well just throw Peter off to the side. Like, hey, hey, fucker, I do not have a lot of time. Will you look at him? Move. Kid, I'm I'm glad that you had your moment, but uh, that's my husband. I need to have a, a chat with him before he's gone forever. Thank you. And Gwyneth fucking Paltrow. Say what you want about her creepy goop site. <laughs> Say whatever you want about her goopiness. Uh, it is a crime that she did not get nominated for Best Supporting Actress for this scene alone. I wouldn't say it's a crime. A crime. <laughs> it's a very good scene, Brian. I'm going to let you have it. Yeah, Brian, that's right. Pepper Potts assures Tony that they're going to be all right and that he can finally rest. And she stays as strong as she can in that moment until the arc reactor shuts off. And then she loses it. It's really, really well done. It is powerful. And of course, 
Thor and and Steve are in the background also like, oh, this is sad. I just find it absolutely incredible that this movie had the balls to kill off Black Widow. Yeah. Scarlett Johansson. Massive movie star. One of the biggest of all time. Huge. But then I feel like those balls grew a set of balls. (laughs) Oh, your balls got balls. Because you do not just simply kill off Robert Downey Jr., the keystone to everything that you've built so far. Also, the most expensive thing in your toy box. Yeah, well, that toy box just got a lot more room (laughs) to avoid some new toys. Thanos' defeat and the return of the Vanished calls for celebration around the world. In Wakanda, in San Francisco, those are really the only two places they show. You've seen the end of Return of the Jedi. Yeah, they're like, hey, everybody's back. This is great. And there's a VL happening from Tony Stark. And it turns out it's coming from a hologram that he recorded prior to the time travel shenanigans. And it is playing at Stark's funeral. And it's it's a message for his family and his friends, including a very heartfelt goodbye at the end for Morgan. Yeah, I love you 3000. Oh, my heart. Oh, it's so good. And then Stark's original arc reactor is set adrift in the lake, proof that Tony Stark has a heart, with all the Avengers and their allies in attendance, including some of the ones that didn't really like Tony that much. And including the kid from Iron Man 3, who everyone had to Google after. Everyone had to Google it. (laughs) Even Harley Keener was there. And uh, the, the moment of the movie that breaks me every time is Happy and Morgan. It's fantastic. John fucking it's Favreau. so good. John fucking Fa- You know what? Proper salute to the man. That's and a real that one. Was, that was a positive Favreau salute. Yep, it's a rarity, but it seems like it's time. Whenever we Favreau salute, it means something's very heavy-handed, because in Iron Man 2008, <laughs> it's a very heavy-handed film. It is film. a heavy-handed film. You're right. But he deserves That's proper salute. Yeah. Uh, Morgan says she wants a, a cheeseburger or a hamburger or something like that. And he's going to get her all the cheeseburgers. And he's like, oh, your dad yeah. likes cheeseburgers. That's a callback to, to 2008. Yep. In that first movie with the heavy hands. I'll get you all the cheeseburgers you want, kid. And oh, that's oh, a killer of a line. Gets me every it single works. time. It including works. Including this most recent time. Absolutely. Outside of new Asgard, Thor names Valkyrie Tessa fucking Thompson as Asgard's new king, and he joins the Guardians of the Galaxy on their mission to go find Gamora. Meanwhile, Steve prepares to go back in time to return the stones and Mjolnir, bidding goodbye to Bucky, Sebastian fucking Stan. That's right, it's the last scene of the movie, and we're still introducing <laughs> by name. Um, well, he was in the battle. He was just He was there. So I mean, he's, this is just the first time we've mentioned him. He brought a gun to a magic fight. What is he doing? <laughs> But I love this exchange between Steve and Bucky because going back now and watching it, you're like, oh, Bucky knows. Oh, absolutely. 100% knows what's about to go down. Oh, yeah. So when Hulk is unable to bring Steve back, Bucky alerts Sam to the presence of an elderly man nearby. And they go over, and it's Steve. And he presents Sam with the shield. And he passes the mantle of Captain America onto him. And Sam's reluctant to take it, but, you know, Bucky nods in agreement, and Steve tells him, it's yours. He had to really make sure that he understood. I like how old man Steve, and old man Steve looks very good. He does. How old man Steve asks him, how's it feel? And Sam goes, like, it's someone else's. And that's a great line. It's a very good line. It's a great line, but I also like how they have to, like, reassure him, like, this is for real. Like, you've earned this. Yeah, this is... This is yours. You you did the, the thing. And Steve shakes his hand and 
As they're shaking hands, Steve puts his other hand on top and reveals a wedding ring. And Sam's like, oh, what's that about? You want to you tell me about that? And he's, Steve's like, no, I don't think that I will. And that's the second best meme to come out of this <laughs> It really <movie>. is. <laughs> um, and then we have a flashback to his time in the past where he got to live out a full life with Peggy Carter. And whatever life that Peggy Carter had, uh, a husband, possibly a family, extended family. All of that, yeah. Whatever it might have been, it now no longer <laughs> happened, I guess. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> sacred timeline and whatnot. Right, and we will get there again in the next <laughs> saga, but that is the end. Well, it should be the end of the Infinity Saga, even though it's not really the end, even though it mostly is. Yeah, it pretty much is, but it's not. But that right there is Avengers Endgame from 2019, directed by the Russo brothers, written by Marcus and McFeely. This movie truly is a masterpiece. Yes. You should not be able to drag out a saga this long and have it land this effectively. Agreed. After 22 movies, these emotional beats should not be hitting as hard as they are. You would think at some point that a fatigue would kick in, and at this point in the present that we sit in here in 2022, a bit of fatigue has kicked in. There's a, a hint of it. Bit. Yeah. Yeah. But up until this point, everything just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. The stakes kept growing. The lore kept growing. The myths kept growing. The story kept growing. The characters kept the growing. The characters, yeah. This movie has no business landing as well as it did. But also, it totally did. Because because he had 22 movies you, worth yeah, of character Yeah, 22 movies worth of hit after yeah. hit after hit. Right. This isn't just a good movie. This is a feat that is probably never, ever going to get topped ever again. And I understand why people now in the next phase are a little downtrodden on it. Yeah. Saying, like, this is kind of boring. It's like, yeah, it took 22 movies you to, to build get up to, to that it. Yeah. big moment. Have a little patience. But I also understand that we're kind of not built that way anymore. Right. We, we're spoiled by the MCU. We've been conditioned now that something huge has to happen all the time. Right. This movie is a masterpiece, but it's also a miracle. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that it exists is just, the odds are more astronomical than Doctor Strange's little shanty into time and finding the one, <laughs> one in four and a half million. That's what I'm saying. This is a one in four and a half million movie. I think you're absolutely right. We obviously love it, but Rotten Tomatoes, what are you thinking? Uh, 98. 94. Okay. Audience score is 90, which I found a little weird. That's weird. Roger Ebert, he didn't see this movie. He died in 2014, guys. I'm running out of things to say. <laughs> Was it 2014 or 2013? I don't remember. Uh, uh, I don't either know. way, bucket kicked. Well, we could have brought in past Roger Ebert from time travel <laughs> shenanigans. To... <laughs> oh, boy. Critics who did see this movie, Amy Nicholson from Film Week and NPR Los Angeles. She said, this is a feat of engineering. I felt a sense of catharsis finishing it. Catharsis, I think, is, is accurate. It's a good word. It's a lot sure of emotions that happened in this. And I think catharsis, yeah, catharsis. Richard Brody from The New Yorker said, what's missing from Endgame is the free play of imagination, the liberation of speculation, the meandering paths and loose ends that start in logic and lead to wonder. So basically he said, why'd you tie up all the loose ends? <laughs> hey, guys, you, you finished off your saga. What, what are you going to do now? Hey, 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 that's too much closure. How dare you? <laughs> what do you mean every character gets closure? <laughs> 
You guys gonna stop making movies or something? No, no you have more. Uh, all right. And Leonard Malton from LeonardMalton.com. He says, if there were ever a movie designed to please its target audience, Endgame is the emblematic example. Anthony and Joe Russo managed to juggle the many components of this mosaic with finesse, and despite the outsized running time, the movie seldom lags. Agreed. If you got Leonard Malton not saying something weirdly negative. (laughs) You've done something right. Then Avengers Endgame clearly works. And I think it's time for that little special announcement that we had. I think it's, it's probably time. Because Avengers Endgame isn't the only Endgame that there is. Because us, the Cape Podcasters, we're in the Endgame now, too. You might have noticed the last few months have been uh, just a plethora of bangers. Absolute bangers! Just banger after banger and no Eberts. Been an interesting time. So we are winding down the show, the Cape Podcast itself, but fear not. Fear not. Because in November, we got a new show coming out. That's right. So the Cape Podcasters are going to be no more, but... Or at least on, on the main channel. They're going to be on going the to Patreon. We, we will, yeah, exactly. We're, we will be moving the, the show over to Patreon. With a bunch of other fun things. <laughs> got a lot, <laughs> a lot in store for the future. But we both feel like it's time to hang up the capes. Don't wear a cape. It's surveillance don't, only. But still, it. it is definitely, definitely time. <laughs> yeah. After a hundred... When we're all said and done, 192 episodes it'll be? I think something like that. Done? It's, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it, it is a lot. Uh, but on the Patreon, for those who subscribe and those who have listened, me and Brian alternate picking movies each month. And we have such a fun time doing that. We do. Because it's a genuine surprise every single month. Whatever we pick, we both don't talk about it. We just surprise each other. We said, why don't we just do that? Let's just do that, man. Yeah. So coming in November, the great Andy Bernard once said, hey, beer me that stapler. That's right. But we're not bearing any staplers. Instead, me and Brian are going to be asking each other, hey, beer me a movie. Beer me a movie. Where we're going to take turns alternating week after week, just throwing whatever we got at each other. Things we want to talk about. Exactly. No rules. And the last week of every single month, you, the audience, you get to beer us a movie. No rules rules that's right get ready to send your suggestions to us for what (laughs) movies you want us to talk about because we're gonna have to we're absolutely going to have to do that i have absolutely loved doing the cape podcasters with brian especially it's it's an absolute treat but it, it is definitely time to wind it down yeah, the um, the Ebert list doesn't get any shorter. And <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and some of those movies I just uh, have very little interest in actually even seeing. So I don't give a flying fuck about Fritz the Cat. <laughs> I don't. You know, that recently, I, I believe it's available for free right now on Amazon, and it keeps getting suggested to me every time I try to watch <laughs> Paper Girls, and it's like, I don't want to watch Fritz the Cat. But yeah, uh, the Cape Podcasters aren't aren't over. We will be continuing our our travels through the MCU and other you know high profile superhero movies on the Patreon when appropriate. But coming in November, beer me a movie. Stay tuned. And on that note, how about we give this movie a super stub score? Um, we're about to break something. We've we've broken things. <laughs> we're about before. to break something. Uh, we're. <laughs> okay let you know what let's just do it story and motivation can i ask you a weird question sure what did we give the lord of the rings the return of the king 
The Return of the King, we gave a one and a half for story motivation. Now, Brian. Yeah. I told you after we saw this movie in theaters that I had a bit of a realization about the way this story is told and the pacing and the beats and whatnot. Do you remember oh, this conversation? I, I do briefly. Yeah. I, yeah. And I've been holding on to it for three years. Vaguely remember this. Marcus and McFeely, when they started writing screenplays, they picked up a certain book called Screenplay by Sid Field, which is looked at as the Bible that is, that's for the screenwriting. Right. It's a great book. For sure. If you're interested in, in screenwriting, pick it up. It's a really entertaining way of going about it. But one thing that constantly comes up in that book, well, there's a lot of one things. So they talk about the movie Cold Mountain. A weird amount. It's <laughs> a lot. so much Cold Mountain. It's a lot of Cold Mountain. <laughs> but the other thing that they keep going back to is the Lord of the Rings. And it's why I wasn't all that upset about having to talk about the Lord of the Rings before we talked about hmm. Endgame. Because there are a lot of beats in Return of the King that line up almost exactly to Avengers Endgame. Really? Especially when you break it down into story points how you have your plot point a of your all is lost mm -hmm. how you move through as you figure out your armies coming together your way of getting back to where you need to go even to the point where you're in new york and you have steve and tony telling scott lang like we're not going to give you much we're just going to fuck off to the next thing it's kind of like how aragorn fucks off and you have yeah. Theoden just going like, his path's a different way. Yep, he's got to go get those dead soldiers. Exactly. You keep God going farther it. on as you progress in this movie. Don't make me appreciate that Up until that the end, more. how you have that mouth of Sauron scene of the three leads in the Avengers, your big three outside of Hawkeye and Black Widow, how they're talking directly to Thanos, exactly how Aragorn and all the big characters in that are talking to the mouth of Sauron. And it even gets to the point of, for Frodo, with Avengers. Assemble. Assemble. Damn. You just broke me. You, you broke, I, uh, why do I want to rewatch Return of the King now? <laughs> that right there's the miracle. That's wow. it. Wow. That being said, for story and motivation, I am going with a three for Avengers End. <laughs> it took 22 movies to get to this point. Yes. And it delivered in it one did. of the biggest cinematic climaxes of all time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, it called back all the right things. And me talking about the story between this and Lord of the Rings was just me to... Because I told Brian years ago that I was going to talk about it on this episode. And yeah, and, and here we are. I got there. And I, I am, uh, my mind has been shattered. And yeah, three. Three for story and motivation. Absolutely. I feel like you're not going to fight me too hard on a lot of this stuff. No, 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 no. no. I, don't, I, I might fight you a little bit, but it'll only be to make it higher. Fair enough. <laughs> Heroes. Probably a two. They all yeah. come together. Every single they one do the of job. them. You get multiple you, you life sacrifices. To everything that happened. Yeah. I mean, these, these are heroes through and through. That's a two. Villains. Thanos is it's still Thanos. one badass motherfucker, is man. still such an imposing threat. It feels like less this time. It does. Than in Infinity War. I... Until it doesn't. Somewhat agree, because he obviously gets his head chopped off, but his job's done already at that point. Right. Right. He's already won. And when he comes back, he's got the foresight of going, my plan worked. Right. And now I'm just going to go farther with that, which kind of makes him even more terrifying. And there's a lot more 
actual fighting with him in That's this movie. That's true. That's and true. you get to see how powerful he is as right. a fighter and not just right. as a schemer. Right. We've seen him beat up the Hulk with the help of a couple Infinity Stones, but now we see what he can do without them. <laughs> it's terrifying. And he's still a badass. He's one of the all-time great villains. Two. Two. Teamwork. <laughs> Two. I, 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 <laughs> it has to be the ultimate team to do I this. I haven't seen a movie <laughs> where the, the team works uh, more in tandem to achieve their goals. You're right. Two five. Two five. And the only reason I'm saying two five is because I feel dirty saying three. Uh, three for teamwork feels uh, like too much in, for any movie. Agreed. Female characters. It's huge. It's, Again, it's, 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 it's massive. massive. They treat every single one of their female characters with respect. There's no, there's no moment of like, oh, look, they're, they're doing her dirty. Or there's no sexualization at all of any of the characters in this movie. None. But the only thing I, I would argue against is they fridge Captain Marvel. They do. Until it's appropriate to bring her back. Yeah. That being said, I'm going to go one. Yeah, I think it deserves a one for sure. Setting. Oh God, we're everywhere. We're everywhere. in the past. But they're all places we've <laughs> been before and are familiar with. And they feel unique. And you know where you are, even when you're in a different time. I think the only thing I didn't like, setting-wise, is the last battle. On top of the destroyed Avengers, Avengers facility. facility in upstate New York. It makes it feel like you lose the fact that it's the Avengers facility and it's just a battlefield at that point, which is okay, I guess. But yeah. it's such a symbolic location right. that I feel like it's just completely overlooked in that last fight. That's true. So that being said, I'm going to go 1-5. One 1-5. Five. One five. <laughs> Let's talk about style and tone. Let's talk <laughs> about the MCU. <laughs> the MCU, the Russo brothers. I feel like the style and tone is a little off. Well, there's something to be said about taking all these individual stories and combining in a way that feels seamless. It's very difficult to do. And obviously you have all these individual directors who had established the characters and their mannerisms and everything like that. And the Russo brothers are kind of just running the story. Right. With these characters and these actors who obviously know the characters. I think that Scott Lang is one of the weaker parts of this movie, personally, because I feel like he's trying really hard. Okay. Like, when you watch Ant-Man, he's very, very charming. That's true, yes. Despite his kind of stupid nature that he there's, can have. There's a, a stupidity and a neuroticism to him that, yeah. And in this, I feel like they just use him as a MacGuffin character of, like, yeah, bringing Scott to kind of move this thing along just a little bit every single time. And there's almost no charm to him, I feel like, in this. Like, the only thing I have from him... He's like, yeah, I got all big, Back to the Future shit. Like, that's really all it's there. And I'm, I know I'm nitpicking one character, but. <laughs> I mean, he has that moment where he wants to eat Natasha's sandwich because he's so hungry because he spent the last five hours in the quantum tunnel and then somehow got to New York from San Francisco. Yeah, like, I mean, unknown. Without eating. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't understand that one either, and that's fine. <laughs> um, I, I, there's certain little things if you nitpick hard enough, I think that's my point, is that you're going to notice that it's off and Production-wise, it's really hard to do what they're trying to do. I mean, you figure this movie has like a hundred people in it, and they're all big name actors. Yeah, Every and everyone's got to get their their moment. Of course, you you can't just you know have a Chadwick Boseman in there and not give him his moment. You can't have a Tilda Swinton and be like, "All right, we're going to use you for a scene." You got to make it important, and then everybody has to have their. It's it's a lot to juggle, and I think they do a very good job of it. Okay, you think one, like a one, I guess. <laughs> we'll give it a one. Let's talk about music. 
Let's talk about Alan fucking Silvestri. Alan fucking Silvestri. Every single note that he wrote for this movie works. Every single every note. note. Every single one. I'm going to go two. I mean, it's just, it's almost perfection. I'm inclined to go three on this one. Okay, if you're going to put it that way. <laughs> I mean, that, the portal <laughs> scene alone gets a one. Oh, without a doubt it does. I mean, that's just a touch of brilliance. That yeah. uh, Masterful. Well done, Alan. Three for music. Let's talk about one-liners. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes is a good one. Uh, there's so many in this movie. In a three-hour movie, you're going to have a lot of one-liners, especially an MCU movie. Avengers Assemble. A huge, huge. I am Iron Man. I love you 3,000. Oh. Oh. You go on and on. It's an easy one. Done. Move on. Easy one. And finally, this, this feels silly. Impact on the genre. Three. This is going to be the biggest that we have given in the Easy genre three. by a long shot, and it's deserved. I understand we just made a mockery of this scale, but... You know, it's nothing we haven't done on Patreon before. <laughs> That's very fair. Um, This is a big boy. This is a real big boy. Well, we said this was a big boy. We did. To start off the show. We, we introduced it as the biggest of boys from a long lineage of big boys. Exactly. Uh, man, it feels dirty to just give it a three for impact on the genre and not just expound upon like just how big the impact really was. This is one of the biggest movies of all time. It is. And if you listen to all 183 episodes that we've done so far, <laughs> uh, you understand why this gets a three. Yes. Yeah. All right. That's fair. Okay. I feel good moving on now. It saves us words. So as far as the score goes on a scale of one to 10. Avengers Endgame is a full-on 20. Yeah, that's totally deserved. It's possibly the most perfect score we've ever given. It's, it is the biggest score we've ever given on the main show, for sure. By a long shot, too, right? By at least three. That's a long shot in my book. That's a full <laughs> impact on the genre. <laughs> because, because we did give a 17 to Ghostbusters. And that was also deserved. It was a big one, too. If you didn't see this coming, I don't know what's wrong with you. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm surprised it stopped at 20, to be honest. <laughs> That's very, very fair. And now I feel like I'm going to ask you a bit of a lackluster question. Okay, yeah. What are we talking about next week? That's going to get nowhere close to the score. <laughs> next week, break in the score again. <laughs> We're talking about The Shadow. It's one of our most requested movies. It is. By like a lot, too. Surprising amount of people want are like, hey- why haven't you talked about the shadow yet? We need more Baldwin. Well, no one's ever said we need more Baldwin, but you're going to get more Baldwin, damn it. It's the one thing we've been lacking on this show is more Baldwin. Have we had a Baldwin hard stop? I don't think we have. It's been so many episodes. How could anyone possibly keep track? Vincent. Vincent. <laughs> Go through all our episodes and find out if we did a movie that had Alec Baldwin in it. Or any Baldwin. No, not any Baldwin. Not any Baldwin, not any Baldwin. The rest are not worth your time. Be very surprised if we did any movies with any other Baldwin. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, next week, The Shadow. Until then, thank you guys for listening. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe. Join us on Patreon this month for Hot Tub Time Machine. It's also going to be a little bit of a, a dry run on the new show. So if you're not subscribed and you want to know what's going to happen in November, maybe, uh, you know, sign up. It's going to be a little bit of... How's that sausage get made? Yeah, you know, do a little fuck around and maybe find out. That's right, in the best way, though. <laughs> All 
Uh, if you have any questions or comments, you can email them to katepodcasters at gmail.com. And we have some emails. First one comes to us from Cubicle Monkey. Hi, Cubicle Monkey. And he says, this email is super late, so you don't need to read it on the podcast if you don't want to. Or read it on the podcast. You're no, both adults. No, no, no. You don't tell me what to do, Cubicle Monkey. <laughs> well, he was following that up with, or don't. <laughs> oh, I should have let you finish. And I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> he says, you're Blame both Brian. adults. And you don't need me to tell you what to do. Shut up and take my Patreon money. <laughs> Which <laughs> I would say, appreciate it, buddy. fair point. <laughs> I didn't mean that. Thank you for all that you do. To make IMDb a worse place. <laughs> I do my my duty here. I didn't put one in for this movie because uh, this we is going to be a long ass episode. There's going to be a, anyway. a lot going on here, yeah. Anyway, on with the stupid question. Who wins in a fight? The spider from Return of the King or John fucking Goodman reprising his role as Delbert McClintock, the exterminator in arachnophobia? Well, it depends. <laughs> if a spider's trying to put its butt in you, I imagine John Goodman's got a little bit of extra cushion for the pushing. Sure. You, you think that's like more of a barrier for the, for the I butt think, to stick yeah, through? Yeah, I think so, because, I mean, yeah. he's trying to put the butt into the Goodman. Do you think he's as, as sprightly as a, as a Samwise? No, not at all. But <laughs> he <he's>, lumbers. <laughs> but he's also equipped with the, the know-how and, and whatnot to defeat a spider specifically. But that might also be a detriment to him, because how many spiders... That John Goodman's facing day to day are trying to put his butt in him. Well, in arachnophobia, uh, I'm going to say it's not. It's a non-zero number. That's fair. Uh, I'm taking Goodman. I'm taking Goodman every time. Because if if a stupid fat hobbitses could take out <laughs> <laughs> that big spider, Goodman will do just fine. John Goodman in a jumpsuit is going to just be <laughs> great. Cubicle Monkey continues, is this a stupid poll of random movie trivia? Yes. Will Gen Z have to Google this to find out? <laughs> I'm making a reference to a 32-year-old movie? No, they don't care. <laughs> He's right on all accounts. And then he, he says, congrats to Brian for suffering through the trilogy. I'll see if I can find a coupon code for BetterHelp or something. Disclaimer, BetterHelp is not a sponsor of the show. It's not, so no coupons. No coupons <laughs> no at all. Coupon Brian codes. pays full price. <laughs> uh, my apologies to all the brain cells you lost reading the stupid email, and I look forward to the next episode. Sarcastically, Cubicle Monkey. He's the man. The man. Love him. Phil Hawkins writes in, Phil Hudson Hawkins, and he asks, can you touch briefly on the decision to shelve the nearly finished Batgirl movie? Dave, as someone who worked on the production side of movies, you know just how many people it takes to create a film from start to finish. How devastating would it be to be on the receiving end of having your work completely scrapped in the name of corporate tax write-off? Well, it depends what your role is on that movie. That's true. Because if you're like a lowly PA or someone who's contracted in a different role, like if you're part of the camera department, electrical department, whatever it might be, it's kind of at a shitty time because now you're going to have to go find something else when you already kind of had all your eggs in this basket of finishing this movie. Yeah. And that's a shitty spot to be in. I've been in that spot a couple times where you're doing a show in the spring and it runs a little bit long and now you miss pilot season. So now you're just waiting for summer shows to pop back up. Mm. You don't want to be missing that boat. When it comes down to it, um, in terms of why they canceled the movie, I think it goes a little bit farther than just tax write offs uh, based on some other moves that HBO yeah. Max has done. Yeah. Uh, and I think moves the, that they more importantly have not done. The Discovery merger uh, is is causing a lot of shakeup, especially in the DC side of things. And they're, they're you know, trying to figure out what to do with the property and again, and, yet how, again. and what to do with Ezra Miller mostly. <laughs> 
They have no idea what to do with Ezra Miller. And it's kind of embarrassing that you have a movie done by two directors who just shined with Ms. Marvel. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you have a character as good as Batgirl who you're finally bringing to the screen. You get Michael Keaton back in the suit again. The movie was not complete. It was awfully close to being complete. The directors kind of took the corporate angle, said we still had a lot more to go, which that's fine. You work up until the end usually. Um, You don't just shelve this movie. It makes absolutely no sense even for a tax write-off. And it seems like they just have no idea what to do with the DC universe yet again. Yeah. They've now thrown in their bi-yearly, we need a 10-year plan, we need a Kevin Feige. Right. They keep forgetting that Greg Berlanti exists. (laughs) I did read something recently that they are considering Berlanti for the job, so. Just fucking give it to him already! Just do it! And then do a Batgirl where you have Batgirl and you have Nightwing together. And yes, please, I want that badly. That would be fantastic. For all the people who lost their jobs, that fucking blows. And it hurts to hear. And I'm so sorry, everybody. Yeah. That sucks. It really does suck. He he actually, he asks, uh, what kind of possible blowback will Warner Brothers receive from creatives who may not trust their work to be properly handled by them in the future? Yeah, maybe people affected may not have a choice, but to continue taking work from wherever they can get it. But if some, if I'm someone like Michael Keaton, my price for reprising any future Batman roles just went up astronomically, if I even consider it at all. Michael Keaton doesn't give a shit. If Michael Keaton's getting paid, Michael Keaton's happy. Yeah, he said he's never even watched like one, a full MCU movie or anything like that. He doesn't really <laughs> care about that. He said he had other shit to do. Yeah. Uh, where I think you made a really good point was saying, where do creative people fall in this? And before the cancellation of this movie... It was actually a really, really big deal that HBO Max got the A24 catalog. Yeah. And A24 is very known for being creator forward, being very creative friendly. Big time. Letting them kind of realize their visions as filmmakers, as auteurs. I feel like I'd have a lot of hesitation working with HBO Max and HBO Discovery, whatever we're calling it Warner Brothers or whatever, yeah. Um, I would have a lot of hesitation. Same, for sure. And I, that's even just outside the DC universe that they have. It, there's, it's, a, um, there's a lot of uncertainty with the entire company right now. Tons, tons and tons and tons and tons. Especially because of the, the changes happening on HBO Max where they're, they're going a much more discovery-focused reality TV kind of thing right now. It's, yeah, you're killing one of the best curated streaming libraries that there is. Yeah. So good job. Good job. Good job. <laughs> And finally, I have an email, another one, from random fan Vincent. Hi, Vincent, again. What's your favorite movie adaptation of time travel rules? Is it Endgame, Back to the Future, Hot Tub Time Machine? He hits us with all all the big ones right there. I just love that there's so many different variations of it. I I love that. That's because how could you, you're not, you can't be beholden to one or another because, you know, there's there's no way to know. I'm going to go Back to the Future. It's one of my favorite movies of all time for a reason. Back to the Future is a very good one. I'm actually, I've become a pretty big fan of the way Loki handles time travel. So the MCU version, I think, is, is where I'm at. So that's kind of like a free-for-all in Loki. It's yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. Different timelines branching off, but also there's a sacred time. I like that quite a bit. I also like Hot Sub Time Machine, but that, that's the same rules as, as Back to the Future. So. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Vincent. And that is all I have for emails. But if you have any questions, you can send them to kpodcasters at gmail.com or you can follow us on social media 
at Kate Podcasters and all the things, especially on Facebook, where we always put up a post on our recording day asking for your questions. And we got plenty. Once again, Phil Hudson Hawkins. He asks, should this have been nominated for more Oscars than just Best Visual Effects? Yes. He goes on to say, (laughs) Return of the King's 11 Academy Awards felt like it was an acknowledgement of how much work went into the trilogy as a whole. Why didn't the culminating film of the MCU garner the same recognition from the Academy as The Lord of the Rings? Uh, Go ask Mr. Scorsese. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a question I don't have the answer to. I don't either, but that's my best way of looking at it is these things are looked at more as a cash cow than actual art and hopefully one day hopefully one day i mean you know i i feel like it's it's finally heading in that direction with things like uh joker getting joker especially yeah 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 so you know maybe maybe someday they'll be they'll be viewed as proper (laughs) cinema and art but i mean some of them aren't so there you go Derek ives asks did you cry you know why. And Derek, you want me to say it again? Will that make you happy knowing that I fucking cried? Yeah? You happy now, Derek? Multiple times on every viewing. Jesus fuck, Derek. <laughs> it's mostly over burgers and just the culmination of portals. Yep, a man holding a <laughs> hammer and cheeseburgers. And that's, that's what did it. it for me. That is, that, those are the two. Mo- it's not even the two big deaths. It is cheeseburgers and assemble. Right. It's Bob Vila's wet dream, pretty much. <laughs> Is he holding a hammer? Fuck. That's going to get yes. me. I need to get cheeseburger too. Norm, I said don't do both at once. <laughs> and Captain Spoiler Micah, he asks. It's kind of the big question when you think about it. He wants to know, why didn't Ant-Man crawl up Thanos' <laughs> rectum and explode? <laughs> to which Phil Hudson Hawkins rightfully said, oh, it's the, why didn't they just use the Eagles to take the ring to Mordor of the MCU? <laughs> and Micah, this is pretty much just a, a Tootsie Roll pop. The world may never know. I actually think that Ant-Man addresses this in, the, um, in, in one of the rides at the new uh, Disneyland Avengers Campus. I'm not going to go on a fucking ride for canon. Well, I'm, I'm not. I'm pretty sure it's on YouTube. <laughs> He's, Still, he's just like, yeah, I know a lot of you've been asking why I didn't just, you know, get small and go into a place in Thanos. And first of all, gross. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's fair. Just, it's very good. Um, uh, yeah, then we wouldn't have a movie. We wouldn't have a movie. It'd just there be Ant-Man popping polyps or something. Then no one wants to watch that. Ant-Man wasn't even in Infinity War. So like, he, when was he supposed to do it? Strange osmosis Jones with Paul Rudd and a purple grimace, <laughs> man. Very different movie. It would be a very different movie. And the last one I have, it's not a question. It's a statement. And it's from Christian Bard. He says, hey, guys, I love you 3,000. Aw, I love you 3,000. We love you 3,000. We love all of you 3,000. All of you 3,000. Thank you guys so much for just hanging out with us for as long as you have on this journey that we call this idiot show that is the Cape Podcasters. (laughs) You guys are the absolute best. Thank you for writing it. Thanks for participating. Yeah. Being a part of the conversation. And here's to the next and final nine episodes. It's going to be a blast. We're going to have a lot of fun while we wrap this thing up. Oh, absolutely. Brian, you have anything else? That's it for me. Fantastic. We'll see you guys next week for The Shadow. Same pod time. Same pod. We love you 3,000. 